0: Hey everyone, just a little minor content warning. At the hour and 38 minute mark, we do talk lightly about domestic abuse, so skip ahead if you need to. Just a little warning.
1: While you are streaming a Yellow Jackets podcast. I'm your co host, Fiona.
0: I'm your other co
1: host, Emily. And we are in the process of re watching Yellow Jackets and talking about it, discussing things that we notice, all from a distinctly lesbian perspective. The episode we're talking about today is season one, episode four. And it's called Bear Down. And I do actually now know why it is called that. So I mentioned you last week that i had forgotten why it was called that now i know
2: <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> unfortunately, like she's, I immediately sure, noticed. she's
0: sure gonna figure it out not that far yeah. into the episode i'm so sorry yeah. that you forgot and you had to be reminded
1: <laughs> you know i was indeed unfortunately reminded of why
0: <laughs> honestly i'm not gonna lie a pretty weak episode title but that's okay they're not all great yeah i like it even less than the last episode title the dollhouse
1: yeah Yeah. i i don't know it's sometimes they have cute playful episode titles and sometimes they have episode titles that are like kind of deep and like thematically relevant to the episode i don't know if this this is maybe more of the former than the latter because of the scene that it comes from (laughs) he is trying to help Ben poop spoiler alert for like five minutes into the episode but she tells him to bear down and I was like you're kidding me that's why it's called (laughs) fucking bear down wow I mean I guess it does
0: kind of apply to the whole episode they are kind of bearing down in the wilderness. Not in the literal Uh pooping sense, but you know.
1: (laughs) You know, maybe that too. (laughs) Maybe everyone's having problems. Who knows?
0: Another thing that I'm not going to lie about. I'm not like, this episode isn't great. Like, I don't think that any Yellow Jackets episode is bad, but I don't know. I was watching this episode and I was like, I don't have a whole lot to say. Like, it wasn't that entertaining to me. It was a little more boring, but you know, that's okay. There's always stuff to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think this is the point in season one where it does start to get a little slow for me, but, you know, still a good episode. There's still some some good stuff. But yeah, I, I agree that it doesn't really have any bad episodes. Although, I mean, I guess also in general, I think, I mean, it's such a short show. Each season is only ten episodes, so I almost feel like there's not room for anything that's like particularly bad or dull. Like back in the day, when back in the day, every filler TV show was like twenty-four episodes a season. Yeah, there was there were a lot of bad episodes.
0: Yeah, but I don't know.
1: There's yeah. not not nearly as much of that I agree. nowadays. I think I don't know.
0: It really baffles me how people will like. Are you familiar with the app Serialized? It's kind of like Letterboxd, but for TV shows. So, you know, you go on there and you like log the TV shows you watch and you like review them and sometimes I'll be watching a show and I'll go look at the episode reviews and like so often people will be like this episode was so slow nothing happens like for any show ever people are going to be complaining that it's slow and I'm like what do you mean there's 10 episodes like what do you mean it's slow are you expecting some crazy shit to happen in every episode I just don't understand when people say that sometimes stuff has to build up and I mean obviously that applies to yellow jackets and I think that's the case for this episode like It wasn't that entertaining. It wasn't as entertaining as the previous three episodes for me, but like, I'm not going to be like, oh, it was slow and nothing happened and like it was a bad episode. Like, that's not true. We do have a cold open this episode before the intro, and the cold open is a flashback to the plane crash. However, it's natalie's dream or it's more like a nightmare although i'm not sure i guess the whole thing was a nightmare but the beginning of it seemed like it was actually the plane crash but then it seemed like natalie's nightmare
1: yeah like the like we were seeing the part of the plane crash or seeing the plane crash from her perspective i guess yeah i, th- I mean i think i think it's also like a, a premonition now like in the context of this i guess i also see the scene is like foreshadowing now because her dad turns to her and he says like, I don't know what you're so scared of. You've already got blood in your hands. We're almost there. It's been waiting for us. And retrospect, having seen all of season two and having seen her die now, basically like we know that airplanes specifically the plane crash are like associated with her death and her general feeling that she like died out there in the wilderness and then whatever came back was maybe not fully there anymore or something like that i don't know anyway but yeah that's what i got out of this scene with her dad aside from her dad just being a sort of horrific character in general i guess
0: yeah this scene watching it after the plane scene in the fin, you know her death scene essentially it's just like wow this is um really foreshadowing it's almost like yeah he says it's been waiting for us and it's kind of like that was like never really meant to escape the world or she never did escape the wilderness you know like she almost died on a plane survived the plane crash survived the wilderness survives 25 years later and then basically ends up on a plane when she's dying even though i guess it's a hallucination but still the fact that her mind went there
1: yeah, and I i mean, what was the other scene that we saw her? It was, like, in season two, when she was flashing back to her overdose, she also sees, like, a vision of the crashed plane, basically, where <laughs> she's the Hitler Queen. Yeah. 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 So that's also, and, and everybody just ignored that, I guess. Anyway, sometimes <laughs> on this show, they just, like, tell us things, but we don't know what they're telling us. Right. So, in retrospect it's like oh okay so there's a lot of ominous foreshadowing around natalie and planes and like death and the antler queen specifically but at the time you're like who knows it could be you know you don't know if it's a red herring or not a lot of the time so
0: i wonder if the plane thing is like specific to nat for a reason or like maybe if god forbid another adult character dies in the future if they'd also get the same plane thing if it's yeah,
1: going to be like a recurring scene. I feel like at this point it does feel specific to Nat just because now they've set up this motif. Well, I say this like I haven't already seen the season two finale, but like, you know, they set up this recurring motif with her of seeing herself on a plane or associated with planes and that somewhat being associated with her death. But I feel like, well, so Laura Lee dies in a plane, obviously, but I don't necessarily feel like there are any other characters that it would make sense to have that
0: motif specifically yet yeah i agree I but know. i wouldn't have thought it made sense for nat before either but i guess <laughs> this scene yeah now it makes sense. i guess in like, retrospect
1: they they've been setting it up. yeah you know, Na- i mean natalie is things. the only
0: one where we see this plane crash from her perspective and she has a dream about it so so yeah she was dreaming and it turns out that uh lottie is awake god lottie's like always just like awake and like standing there staring at the cabin <laughs> like yeah inside she hate that place she's just she cannot <laughs> she cannot let it go she's always just gonna be standing there sitting there yeah saying creepy things about the cabin yeah i totally did not even have this like i don't remember this scene at all I was like, oh my God, the scene exists in this show. What? A whole Lottie Nat interaction? Okay.
1: I wrote down minor Lottie Nat scene because I was actually also really surprised. I forgot that this existed. Yeah. That Lottie and Nat had this little moment and I'm surprised somehow.
0: A few episodes ago, we were all like, oh yeah, they barely interact in season one except for Doom coming. But it turns out that's not really true. That's not true. They have this moment. Yeah. And um, Lottie... I noticed that, like, what does she say? She says, bad things happened here. And she's kind of, like, looking at the ladder to the attic. But I noticed that the antlers are also in frame, which I'm sure is very intentional. So she's looking at the antlers on the wall and she's saying bad things happened here. I think
1: it's also, like, with Lottie, everything is like a fucking premonition, so I assume that this is like a premonition of bad things to happen, because, I mean, that just seems like in line with her character and her general feeling about the cabin, and it's true. Bad things will happen there, at least. I think Nat was telling her,
0: like, it's okay, they buried him, meaning the cabin guy, right? That's what I assumed. It's not okay, according to Lottie. And you know what? She's right. As we know, (laughs) Lottie's always right. often right. That's right. (laughs) Not always, I guess. But at least as a teen, she's right most of the time. So... Yeah. This episode was a little... I guess perhaps it marks the official day of Lottie not having her meds anymore, but I did notice that this episode kind of started Lottie, you know, seeing things and noticing things and having her, like, sixth sense and, like, you know, she's the first person who sees the symbol later on in the episode. She's kind of, like, disconnected from everyone else and, like, off on her own
1: thinking about stuff. And now that I'm paying attention to that timeline of, you know, when she stops taking her meds, it's interesting that she first finds the symbol after that, because if you consider like, so schizophrenia, one of the hallmarks of it is like a a certain paranoia about things. And then she finds this symbol and then, I mean, she connects it obviously to the cabin and thereafter we see her, she's very distrustful towards the cabin specifically. So that's all some kind of interesting stuff that's fairly subtle.
0: Yeah, and then we're with Misty and Natalie in 2021. Misty's reading an article, or Misty has an article open on her computer that says what to and not to say to someone grieving a suicide.
1: Yeah, I texted Emily about this and I was like, this is me when I talk to you about Riverdale. Because um, she's grieving the future death of Riverdale. So Yeah,
0: unfortunately. I mean, I guess you can't really call it a suicide. I mean, I guess it is a suicide in a way because they are ending it at their own will. But yeah. it's a sad time yeah. for me, you know? It's like a euthanasia. Oh no that's awful i hate it i'm sorry i'm very upset about riverdale worse. ending. i understand that it's probably time and you know people will probably come at me and be like Ugh, you watch riverdale you still watch riverdale that show's still on air yes it is still on okay, air but
1: i i don't think anybody who follows you on twitter would actually be surprised by that yeah I if don't you know, follow you me know, on twitter okay.
0: you're probably very aware <laughs> but you know in case you don't follow me on twitter and And for
1: listeners from other platforms you know (laughs) are many who i'm sure
0: exist yes (laughs) i think i've I've mentioned riverdale a few times already in the podcast so we're in the clear Mm -hmm. but you know it's ending in about a month and i'm
2: i'm getting ready to grieve i'm
0: pre-grieving yes for sure i gotta get ready. they already wrapped filming that was upsetting so the grieving kind of started there but anyway Thank you for respecting my feelings about Riverdale. I really appreciate. um, You're so welcome.
1: Yeah. I I try to be respectful. You're Googling articles. uh, This difficult time
0: in your life. It really is. So Natalie says that, you know, obviously, so Misty thinks that Travis's death is a suicide because that's what you would assume. Um, However, obviously, Natalie is convinced that it was actually a murder. I don't really think that. Misty necessarily believes her, but she's happy to be in on it and like investigate it with her because she wants to be involved. She wants to spend time with Natalie. She wants to solve crimes. So
1: it gives her an excuse to hang out with Nat. Yeah. So she's like, she's all about that. She doesn't really care if it's pr- if she particularly believes it or not, but that's also like a misty thing. Like she loves going along with things even if she doesn't believe in them. So.
0: Yeah, Nat says we both got the same creepy postcard in the mail and then Travis turns up dead. Do you think that's a coincidence? Which I guess it kind of is a coincidence. Yes. Assuming <laughs> yes, that what is. happened to Travis is actually what happened, it is a coincidence.
1: Yeah. I would say it's a coincidence. Which yeah. is
0: a crazy coincidence. I don't blame Nat for thinking it's not.
1: No. But that, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing in the show. It's like, the, the coincidences have to be crazy enough that you would want to believe that there's something else behind them.
0: There's so, always multiple that. explanations for something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> One of them <laughs> being
1: crazy-ass supernatural shit. Yes. So,
0: I love when Misty said, I have a cork board, but we could use yours if you want. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, she's like, oh, it's okay. Like, she just assumes that Natalie has a cork board for solving murders on. Wow. Misty is so much. She also has, like, a bunch of... um. I mean, I don't know if you would know this if you don't listen to true crime podcasts, but she has a bunch of like true crime podcast paraphernalia around her desk. Uh, And I don't really listen to true crime podcasts, except for one that I used to listen to with my mom in the car and I recognized it. So she's a big fan.
2: Oh, so they're real ones. They're not made up.
1: (laughs) I think they are actually real because I recognized at
0: least one of them. Wow. I mean, (laughs) that's not surprising. Of course she listens to true crime podcasts.
1: Yeah, that completely tracks. So
0: so that's the cold open interesting that it wasn't just the teen stuff that we showed that the natalie and misty stuff in the cold open but we got the yeah that's true
1: it was a little bit of both sometimes it's one sometimes it's the other in this case it was a little bit of both
0: a little bit of both just how we like the show that's right people who are like there's a debate going on on twitter right now i think someone posted a poll where they were like do you prefer the teen timeline or the adult timeline I mean, sometimes yeah. I'm more interested in storylines that are happening in one timeline than the other. But yeah. overall, I don't necessarily prefer one over the other. It, d- it just depends on yeah. what the storyline, like what's happening in both timelines.
1: And I, I mean, I also, like, they complement each other a lot. And the show obviously does that deliberately where it makes the two storylines reflect each other quite a lot. But I also just think that they each make the other more interesting because, like, you know that... Things in one timeline are going to have an impact in the other. Like Things in one timeline help to explain why people are behaving a certain way in the other. So yeah, I think they're both, I don't know, they both complement each other quite well.
0: I'd argue that if you prefer a timeline over the other, that's perfectly fine to have an opinion. However, I think that maybe you wouldn't prefer one timeline so much if the other one didn't exist because then that timeline wouldn't be as impactful if you didn't see what was happening in the other timeline because yes, they do complement each other.
1: I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, I just take anything that like Shauna does in 1997, like it's more exciting back then because she has this crazy ass life, but it's also interesting to see how she carries that into the present day and like how she carries that into her relationships in the present day as well for me. Anyway, yeah, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that, but I agree with you. Both timelines are important. Generally speaking, Oftentimes, one is stronger than the others. I do have my problems with typically more the adult storyline, but I do think they're both really, both important. Agreed, so.
0: agreed. I think the adult storyline is way more, I don't know the word for it, it's like more like spread out because they're not all together, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: but, sprawling. Uh, less it, it less structured. In, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's also generally less like exciting, but right. I think that's... That also kind of makes sense given the context Yeah. of the teen timeline is basically, it's just constantly getting worse, but in a very intense and focused way. And it's very much all about their survival and the gruesome depths that they go to in it. And then the adult storyline is kind of just these middle-aged women's like lives slowly spiraling out of control very different like tones at times
0: yeah but i I would never wish that one of the timelines were not i've heard people be like i wish the show is only the teen timeline like no it wouldn't be the same show
1: way too much for me and also like that's kind of the thing that makes the show like unique is the fact that it has two timelines in that way so i don't know
0: definitely agree uh bear down Have you ever had someone (sighs) sing to you breakfast at Tiffany's while you were trying to poop?
1: I have not had a single one of those things that you've described happening. Not the singing while I'm pooping, not the singing breakfast at Tiffany's at me. That was the
0: funniest song choice, though. I hate that I keep bringing up The Wilds, but unfortunately, this scene reminded me of a scene (laughs) in The Wilds where two characters go off into the woods for some mission and they have to pee and one of them cannot pee. And so the other one is like, oh, it really helps me to pee when I sing, and so she starts singing, and then the other character is, this- is like all annoyed by it. It's like the same scene. Are we scene. supposed to take this
1: as like a common thing? Is this that something that people do when they can't go to I the bathroom no
0: I they sing? I mean, I can understand. I- I'm not gonna lie, in that situation, Pooping would really stress me out. I'd be like, "How am I supposed <laughs> to poop? I'm not healthy. Oh I'm God. not eating. Like I'm not on a regular schedule." So I understand why that would be like something that you'd be anxious about. But yeah, I don't understand how singing would yeah. help. And I also am surprised that Ben didn't tell Miss You to Shut Up when she started singing. So
1: yeah, I I don't know. I guess it was. Just because she was the only one who was willing to stand
0: there and help him. Oh, I don't even know. I also had that I thought. I was like, why more. didn't he take Travis with? I mean, I'm sure it's because Misty insisted. Yeah. Like, you should have taken Travis. Take another guy with you if you need help with that. There you go. Make like, Travis do that. so weird that it was Misty. Or even Javi would would have been fine. Yeah, I'm sure Missy insisted. So there you go.
1: Yeah, we can blame that one on her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can blame a lot she of stuff on her. She was
1: probably very excited to show up.
0: Oh my god, poor Ben. Yeah, I just have a note that says, I hate that this scene reminds me of the Wilds, but the Wilds has a very similar <laughs> scene. So
1: <laughs> It is okay if you bring up the Wilds on the podcast, even though I will not understand the reference. I'm okay with it.
0: It's it's similar, you know, people trapped in the wild. Although yeah. it actually is a lot different, but anyway. They're like on an island, right? They're on an island, but it's also, okay. spoiler alert if anybody cares, but it's also um like, and it, it's like an experiment. It's like a controlled... I mean, they don't know, but they're being watched by... It's kind of like a Hunger Games okay. situation. They're being yeah. watched because someone's doing an experiment. Um, yeah, I'm not into that. Yeah. You don't find out right away, but yeah. Yeah, I know. It's It's like not the same. Like, they're not actually... You know, yeah, they're being That's watched like- by a crazy woman. Uh, basically, it's actually kind of funny because the the villain of the show, the the woman who sets up the experiment, is kind of like a turf. <laughs> like she has oh, this theory that women are better and more fit to like rule the world and be in charge and stuff like that so she's gonna prove it by trapping a bunch of teen girls on the island and proving that they can build a society better than boys would Mm. like the opposite Mm. of lord of the flies you know but she's (laughs) like fucking crazy she's like so like because it's like well then why did you she has a control group that's boys and like she doesn't really care if they die and It's also like then you bring in the gender binary, and it's like, well, what about trans girls or trans boys? Like, you know what I mean? But Uh yeah, that's kind of what the show is. It's like, but the girls that are trapped in the wild, they don't know that they're trapped. Yeah, it's real to them. And one of them was hired by Gretchen, who's the name of the villain, to like keep an eye on that basically, and like give her information and stuff. But the rest of the girls don't know. But yeah, it makes
1: me think of Gretchen Wieners from Yeah, the same. Girls. But
0: anyway. Anyway, let's see if that's the last time I ever bring up the wild on this podcast. We'll see.
1: Probably not. It's okay.
0: I'm okay with it. I wish it were to be honest, but yeah, you're probably right. So Ben is taking charge. They've got a gun and of course like Travis is fucking around with it and Ben is like hey that's a serious deadly weapon give it to me and I was like okay yeah Ben you teach them gun safety that's
1: right this is it's quite a contrast in the early show how much Ben is actually involved in things because the first thing we see of him of course is he loses his leg and he's fucking miserable about it as he should be because it's a terrible thing to happen but yeah he actually has quite a lot of worth to the group because he teaches them how to use guns later on he'll teach them how to bleed and cut up an animal like all sorts of stuff so ben apparently i think it's like implied that he had like a i'm gonna say hunting enthusiast is a a Kind way to put it, father or something. Like his dad was. I was gonna say gun nut, but you know, yeah, not to offend any hunters who listen to this podcast. I'm sure that's a huge crowd. um <laughs> But yeah, so Ben has all of these like survival skills that actually make him super useful to the group. You know, especially like early on, he yeah. teaches
0: everyone how to do everything involved with hunting, which is very useful. Yeah, they'd have to figure it out themselves <laughs> if it weren't for him, and that would probably right. take a lot of trial and error.
1: Yeah, thank goodness he's there, at least for now. (laughs) (laughs) Might regret saying that later, but Mm -hmm. who knows?
0: He also says we're out of food and we're all feeling it. And I was like, oh, just you wait.
1: Yeah, bro, just you
0: wait. This is nothing.
1: Yep, this ain't got nothing on winter. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we have this scene where Natalie goes to her childhood home to visit her mom, and her mom kind of sucks, along with her dad. I mean, I'm not going to blame her mom for her dad's actions, obviously, but her mom also kind of sucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, her mom also kind of blames Natalie for her dad's actions, which is insane, given that Natalie is, at least, you know, later on in the scene when it comes to violent conflict trying to protect her mom from her dad. But anyways... I actually, I do like really like the way that they do this scene where they have like Juliet as adult Nat in the present day visiting her mom's house. And it's like intercut with teen Nat as if adult Nat is like, literally visiting her own memories as she's visiting her mother's house and seeing herself as a teenager. I do really like the way that they do that in this in this scene. And kind of throughout the episode, they keep revisiting this one particular memory because it has to do with her dad's death and all of that stuff. So
0: Yeah, I also noticed that because it's also different from what we've seen with the flashbacks so far. Yeah. Like, it's usually not set up like, you know, a character will be thinking about it right like we saw the flashbacks of younger misty and younger taissa they weren't set up in the same way so yeah i thought this was interesting and i guess it makes sense because natalie's the only one who doesn't have a current home in new jersey i noticed in this episode like Mm -hmm. obviously we know that she is staying at a motel but i hadn't thought about before how she doesn't have her own house in new jersey like she probably doesn't really live there and probably just like bounces around yeah from rehab, yeah, to rehab like, or whatever and so she's staying right. in this motel and she has to go visit her mom yeah it
1: was like in the last episode when she talks to uh ty and she's like home what's that and it's like, now you actually see why she would say that. Because she, I mean, what home she has is certainly not a home. Like, it's pretty terrible. And she only actually goes back there to get a, I'm not sure if we find out in the scene or in a later scene, but basically a mixtape to bring to Kevin Tan, basically. So mm-hmm. she's not necessarily going there to happily reminisce about her horrific childhood that was filled with abuse yeah. or You know, her mother, who is not a whole lot greater than her dad, I don't know. Not a great situation all around.
0: I also have wondered how she's paying for this motel, but I guess she hasn't been there for that long. I guess she's yeah, only there for like a of, week so
1: no that's kind of a good question and also how does she have a porsche Where
2: does yeah porsche it was like from? how is she? she has a nice fucking you know, car
0: we haven't mentioned this yet but i have i assume that when they got back from the wilderness they probably got some sort of financial compensation but i would imagine it's run out by now 25 years later anyway yeah so you would think but would I, think. Have, I haven't
1: thought before because it's like I, I don't know sometimes usually i'm able to let go of this impulse but sometimes my practical brain takes over and i'm like how are these what are these people's jobs i mean so it's not always i'm not saying like on this show specifically but if i'm watching like i don't even know like friends or something i'll sit there and wonder like how are they like what are their jobs what do they do how do they afford to Mm -hmm. sit here in this cafe in new york city and just talk all day like what what is their life
0: right any Um, show pretty much you could do that with kind of on
1: any (laughs) show like that that intrusive unless it's like a direct plot point how the fuck do they live? How do they do this? I don't know. I used to think that also when I would watch The L Word and they would go to this lesbian cafe every morning. <laughs> but anyways. Well, yeah, one no, of them I, owned I I cafe, that, duh. Right, fair. <laughs> I, I just, I do have that thought about Nat's character sometimes, which is like, how does she afford her life of living in a motel? And Right, like is Thaisa paying drugs? for the
0: motel like, too? No, I don't think so. I don't
1: think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because everybody else, you know, has like a very specific career that's generally pretty central to their plot lines and stuff. So that one's kind of a, she's, I just, I guess she just floats around. I I mean, I guess Shauna doesn't,
0: but Jeff does. So, wow, I can't believe they have a one income family.
1: But Shauna's a yeah, Shauna's job is being a stay-at-home housewife, which is actually kind of insane given her
0: Right. General an character. an unhinged but yeah. housewife. That's her job yeah. title.
1: That's right. She keeps it uh, inside.
0: <laughs> okay, so I noticed that in in Natalie's teen bedroom with the flashback, she has this poster on her wall that says Megan O'Neill, feminism rules, which, like, first of all, love that. Okay. Feminism does rule. Thank you. We're pro feminism
1: on this podcast, by the way. I just want to officially make that statement. Can you believe it? Wondering. Wild statement. Yeah.
0: Crazy. <laughs> we support feminism. We support feminism. And so do we all the characters in the menace, show. And we support feminism. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. But then I was like, who's Megan O'Neill? And it turns out it's a made up person, but. Megan O'Neill is a location scout for the pilot episode of Yellow Jacket. So I guess that's just like a little Easter egg. They made it look like a little like, um, like punk girl band poster.
1: Basically. Oh, Okay. I was, thinking, I was like, like okay, maybe this is like a feminist pioneer or something. No, no, she was like not singing. It was a band. All. It was
0: definitely like a punk band poster. Okay. And I think you did um your research. I love that. Because I I liked the poster. I was like, okay, not having like a feminist poster in the nineties, okay, love it. <laughs> and then i was like who the fuck is megan o'neill i've never heard of them so oh, I love that. yeah apparently wow. they must have I made that learned, prop like, somebody who worked on the show either that or they literally just like made up a name but i can't imagine good for you megan yeah good job megan you made it in the show very 90s the shark travis is sorry tra- why did i say travis kevin my bad kevin <laughs> yes kevin is drawing with black sharpie on his nails and they're talking about nirvana and how he liked them before they went to mainstream and natalie says it's not their fault yeah. everyone loves them which i love that she said that like that's true like what do you mean why do you stop yeah. liking something just because it went mainstream
1: kevin's like oh they sold out well i'm sorry kevin but when you grow up you're gonna become a cop so we'll talk <laughs> about sellouts
0: then damn
1: you got yeah. him sick burn, kevin <laughs> That's so funny.
0: He talked about how they were better when they were just for us, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cute, but also like it's Nirvana,
1: right? I, they were probably literally never just for you guys. Never
0: were they ever <laughs> not really popular? I don't think so. Well, kinda,
1: but I mean, I don't think I don't think two kids from New Jersey would have heard of them if they weren't at least a little bit popular at that right. point. Because
0: their whole it's not like they were some like, like local band.
1: Yeah, I mean, or at the point where they were, they were a local band in Seattle in the grunge scene. But Kevin is a he's he's a fake hipster. He's like a <laughs> faux hipster.
0: He couldn't even paint his nails properly. Natalie had to break You're out right? the nail polish. The Sharpie <laughs> thing is very 90s, though. So that's true. Yeah, definitely. I love the trend of like men. paint. I think all men should paint their nails. That's my hot take. I love I that agree. it's coming back, that it's in style yeah. again.
1: I'm too lazy to paint my nails, but they should paint
0: theirs, so. My job won't let me paint my nails, but yeah, so they should paint theirs. (laughs) They should do it, yeah. They should do it for me, but yeah, so Nat's dad is horrible. This is when we get the first little taste of that. Her dad's horrible and her mom in 2021 is kind of horrible as well, which we've established. I don't know.
1: I think the whole thing is like, her mom clearly has some very warped memory of what her dad was like, because he was obviously very abusive towards both of them. And yeah, he's, he's just terrible. It's really unpleasant to watch those scenes. But we do get to see Sophie Thatcher with black hair, which for me is very exciting, because, you know, we always see her with like the, the like dyed blonde wig thing that she's wearing. and With her roots. Yeah, with the roots showing, but the roots, like, coming out very, very slowly. Like, okay. <laughs> That's what I always notice about the flashback scenes in these episodes is Sophie Thatcher with black hair. It's very exciting.
0: <laughs> it is very exciting. I was under the impression that she didn't wear a wig in season one, but I guess she did. I thought it was only season two that she wore a uh... wig. It just looks so real. I don't know if one. it's a
1: wig in season one. It could be that she dyed it, but I think like she stopped dyeing it at some point because it was really harsh on her hair or whatever, which makes sense because it's like bleaching, actually, I assume is what she'd have to do. I know that like it wasn't a wig in the pilot, but I don't mm. know about the rest
0: of season one. okay, hit us up if you know it's important. it's very important, <laughs> yeah,
1: if you do like hair and makeup on yellow jackets or you're just you do more research than we do, yeah, you know that's not possible. <laughs>
0: Well, some I didn't do research on that. I could have, I guess. But I didn't. <laughs> no, okay. So Nat does grab this mixtape. And I guess it is with the intention of using it to manipulate Kevin. Yeah, um, pretty much. A lot of people, a lot of the adults were being manipulative in this episode. And I was like, those are my girls.
1: That's right. <laughs> Good for you, girls. You get what you want.
0: <laughs> Sammy is hiding in the dresser. Simone and, and Thaisa are... Practicing their conversation because they're going to this like political mixer or something, which yeah. I remembered happening way later in the season. I feel like I'm saying that about so many things where I'm like, oh, this is happening in I, episode four.
2: Okay.
1: I also thought the political thing happened in a later episode. I could swear it did, but apparently it did not. Yeah, apparently we were wrong. Pretty <laughs> early on. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, Sammy's hiding in the dresser and they don't see him. And I was like, I guess maybe this is a normal thing because they're not really that phased by it. They're just like, oh, hi, Sammy. We didn't see you there. Well, I mean, like,
1: I guess when I was a little kid, I used to like hide in closets and stuff sometimes, and then my mom would like pretend to not know that I'm in the closet or whatever, and then you know, <laughs> right? But they thing didn't know. <laughs> they
0: didn't know that he right. was there.
1: <laughs> See, that's the part that kind of gets you. Yeah, though, like they didn't realize that he was inside of there. But maybe it's just like a playing thing. But I, I mean, I guess you'd have to yeah. imagine, like, given the the weird house that he's in right now, that it's probably he probably saw his mom do something some weird shit like you know eat dirt or sit in a tree or
0: something maybe he was looking out for simone maybe he wanted to make sure that oh i didn't i don't know
2: it didn't well, seem spying. like he, it
0: didn't seem like he was doing it in like a oh i'm gonna hide and you guys have to find me type of way like it seemed no, like he was just no. spying on them he was just
1: like in there for
0: some reason. Yeah. Yeah.
1: not really sure what to make of that, actually.
0: I don't really think we are supposed to make that much of it. I mean, it was just a small little moment, but yeah. I just noticed that I was just like, oh, okay. Ty was just like, oh, sorry for cursing. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing there, Sammy?
1: Okay. <laughs> they they played it off pretty smoothly. They don't treat him like he's weird or anything like that, yeah. which is good. I wrote down that I love Simone's hair in this scene. And I know that the guy says it later on, but they do look like such a sexy power couple, honestly, <laughs> in this episode.
0: No, they really do. Um
1: so I really I love that. I enjoyed that. Like
0: that's what they are for now.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, giving sexy lesbian power couple. Yeah, so, exactly. I'm, I'm into it. I love that. I it's think so that
0: me. Thaisa is like the definition of power lesbian.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like, if
0: anybody doesn't know what that means, it's just like Thaisa. Just a picture
1: of Thaisa Turner. Or like
0: Bet from the L word, I think, is another good example. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I can't really think of any <laughs> other ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's I don't there's know. a few. Yeah. I don't know. I actually, I'm not going to lie, I'm not 100% exactly sure what it means. What, powerless? Yeah, it just means like a really successful yeah. hot lesbian. Like a businesswoman. Yeah, I, I guess. Most of us,
1: like a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, like right? a Which lawyer. Is funny yeah. though, because the lesbian lawyers that I actually know in real life are not like imposing hot power. <laughs> <I
0: suppose, laughs> lesbians I suppose it would depend on what type of lawyer you are. Maybe I don't know. Yeah,
1: but thaisa does land use, so that's <laughs> not like a sexy. Well, <laughs> but she's
0: not a lawyer anymore. Lawyer is profession.
1: She... True. Now she's a
0: politician. She just has the vibes of a power lesbian. You know, yeah. like she could have Fair. like a fucking shitty nine to five job and I'd still be like that woman is like so successful
1: and it's very attractive yeah fair fair Uh, it's the energy you know
0: it's really the energy for sure I think Simone is a bit as well but Thaisa has oh I get that from her too honestly yeah
1: Simone is like a she's like a professor or something yeah I
0: I forget that she's a lit professor yeah I forget what kind of lit professor someone mentions it later and I was like oh I forgot
1: they do But, you know, she still also gives me, like, kind of sexy power lesbian vibes. So, like, it's not about the profession, necessarily. That's true. It's about the way one carries oneself.
0: And that's your lesson on lesbian terms for the day. (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) we entirely understand ourselves. Yeah, we we don't even really know the definition of that. Who came up with that also? I don't know. Whatever. Don't know. Okay, so we're all practicing we're doing this like test to see who has the best coordination with the gun I guess who's the most like Uh capable of firing a gun and we kind of go through everyone and I was just thinking imagine if Jackie was really good with the gun like can you imagine if that was her thing yeah so funny to me (laughs) because she was I, like so excited to try it and then she tried it and she was immediately just like it's fuck true. this it's stupid <laughs> yeah
1: she's terrible with it but she also kind of doesn't really try and then later on she's like wait can you go again and it's like you know what why don't somebody let her shoot again maybe she, she'd she be good at it I don't know <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't think she would it, it but is... I just thought it was funny no. how she was all like the second she failed at it she thought it was stupid yeah <laughs> yeah travis offers up the gun to javi for him to have it heard and he says fuck you and walks away which good yeah. for him and then the girls kind of make fun of travis for that including uh. laura lee calling him flex i noticed
1: oh did laura lee say it in the scene yeah she did me see. i just wrote down that travis tries to get javi to shoot but he storms off and then Travis is an asshole through most of this episode. Yeah, this whole episode
0: is him, like, asserting his masculinity with, like, the gun stuff. Like, he's being like, I'm a man. I can shoot a gun. You guys are girls. You don't know how to do this. Blah, 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 blah.
1: Right. I mean, I think that's the way that he's trying to take power in this scenario. I mean, I guess in general, his whole thing is, like, his whole thing with Flex is has to do with like his insecurity about his masculinity and like in response to this situation he's like he basically like exerts and externalizes the toxic masculinity instead like turns it out towards the girls and i mean i don't think that particularly works for him but that's the first instinct i guess that he has to as to how to deal with this situation where he's in a man with stuck in you know with a bunch of or he's he's a boy really but he's a teenage boy stuck with a bunch of girls but like they can still get at it which is funny that the flex thing like still like it really hurts him and so that's why he's having this reaction
0: yeah we learn about the flex thing later and i was like really travis you're like so hung up on this flex thing like can you let it go right? look at the situation you're in who cares <laughs> uh he's unable to because he's an insecure teenage boy yep. so even though the girls don't even know what it means like it's not even like they're using it in the same way that no. The boys used it back in school, but whatever. Right. There's also a really nice little moment in this scene where Van defends Nat that I noticed. Because Natalie has her turn with the gun and she fails and Travis is like making fun of her and... Van just like kind of tells him to knock it off. And then she tries again and Van like rubs it in his face a little bit. I noticed. So yeah, I love the little Van Nat crumbs because in my head, they're best. I was going
1: to (laughs) say, you're you're collecting your Van Nat crumbs right now because I do remember that, but like vaguely. I will
0: will their friendship into existence. (laughs) That's
1: right. Season three, marker words. It's going to be a major thing. It'll be their season. That's right. In the teen timeline,
0: Van and Nat. In the adult timeline, Lottie and Van. I'm telling you.
1: That's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, in the teen timeline, Shauna versus Nat. I'm really excited for that Hell one. Oh, yeah. Even if it's just in Shauna's mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shauna having um, one sided beef with Nat. So good. Yeah.
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, Natalie is very successful at the gun shooting and the girls all cheer they're just like yes girls can shoot too let's go feminism we love you natalie (laughs) right oh my god yay
1: i'm sure feminism is an intentional theme in this episode for sure i think Um, they're all really happy
0: that natalie was able to shoot a gun so they didn't have to deal with travis being the only one
1: yeah because he would be so fucking obnoxious about it too he already is he already is yeah um i also did note i think shauna at one point in this scene she says i don't really think i'm meant to handle firearms and i was like yeah that's an interesting thing to say considering the only other time we see her hold a firearm on the show is when she like holds up a guy and like threatens to peel off his skin
2: i wonder if
0: shauna has ever shot a gun
1: that's a good question like i don't no i don't think we've i mean we haven't seen it wow yet.
0: interesting that's actually but, in yeah. the next scene it's a scene between javi and shauna oh, okay okay oh, I okay i shauna okay, didn't participate in the the gun trials right <laughs> so she's journaling like out over by the lake and javi finds her and they ha- honestly every oh, okay. time javi and shauna have a have oh, a scene no. together oh so sad it's, so it's heartwarming really, it's so sweet it's it's
1: really cute, and then it's really horrible, because you remember uh, where that ends up. Yeah. And it's just like the <laughs> the worst possible outcome that you could think of, pretty much. But yeah, the scenes are really sweet, actually, between them.
0: I noticed that Shauna was wearing a... Speaking of Shauna's flannels, the one that she was wearing was blue and yellow, which are the Yellow Jacket's colors. I thought it was interesting. Oh, wow. I wonder if she purposely that. bought that flannel because she was like, yeah, school spirit. <laughs> <laughs> school spirit
1: and i'm i'm totally not gay i don't know if it had that association in the 90s but
0: i don't think so i think everybody wore it in the 90s
1: yeah i mean honestly like where i live everybody wears it now which i don't well, like it's very confusing for me yeah, they need to respect common. my culture stop appropriating <laughs> stop it
0: appropriating lesbian yeah culture. and everybody
1: needs to stop
0: fucking driving subarus in the state <laughs> God Damn it, that's hilarious Oh, I just also have a note that says Mari's also kind of good at the gun. I mean, she doesn't win the competition. She's not as good as Natalie, but I did notice that she was probably like the third best person. Yeah,
1: I noticed the same thing. Mari is the third best shot. And also, she looks like she wants to kill Travis in that scene. So she would have been valid, you know, if to be I
0: honest. Were-
1: She would be valid, because this is the episode where, or one of the episodes where he's the most annoying, I think, in
0: season one. She's probably like, oh, I can't believe I thought he was hot two days ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if she has enough self-awareness to think that, (laughs) I think she was just really horny in the moment, so I forgive her. It's okay.
0: It's okay. We forgive these girls for anything, pretty much, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth. I've already pre-forgiven them for all of their crimes, so... (laughs)
0: Even if we don't even know the adult versions, yet. yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> oh, they ate people. Okay, whatever. Tell me something else. Like, duh. Of course
0: they did. Of course. So, Nat and Travis are having dinner in 2021, and Kevin Nat explains. And Kevin. Did I say Nat and Travis? You did. Why do I keep getting Kevin and Travis <laughs> confused? Those names are not similar at all. They're not. I, I think they're both just they're really both generic. With that, they're both really generic names, though.
1: Yes, they are. I don't know I said that too for sure.
0: Sorry. Nat and Kevin are getting dinner in 2021. He explains how he became a cop by saying, It's a job, I guess. And I'm like, that doesn't explain how you became a cop. Like it's not a cop is not just a job that you get because you need a job.
2: Or at least it shouldn't be. But it's
1: also not like it's that simple of a process. Like, I think they have to go through this whole, like, I mean, they have to go through different exams and stuff. He's also a detective,
0: which is a higher level cop.
1: A higher level of a cop. So it's not like he just strolled in there one day and was like, hey, you got a job opening? Like, there's a whole process. Like, they go to police academy and shit. And I think there's, like, tests that they have to pass and, like, classes they have to take and all this shit, I'm assuming. I mean, (laughs) one would hope. Maybe there should be more really. Yeah. But you know, higher standards for that. Cause obviously some people are able to just walk into that. But still, like that's a whole process and that's a very deliberate choice that you make, sir. Yeah. We're really we're gonna be we're on Kevin about this. We're not gonna let him go get off the hook for
0: that. This is an A Cab podcast. So yeah, Ben is being an adult and being responsible about the gun, which I really appreciated. And he sends Travis and Nat off to go hunting. And I also really appreciated that he gave Nat the gun and not Travis because Travis was acting like a psychopath and pointing the gun at people. And I was like, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that Ben even let Travis go because I would be like,
1: like no. I honestly feel like he should not have at least not in the immediate aftermath of Travis pointing a gun at Nat. Like, what are you doing? You cannot let the this hothead teenage boy like walk around in, in the vicinity of a gun even like especially around this girl that he just threatened like that's fucked up bro yeah fun.
0: i mean i guess he handed the gun to natalie assuming that she would right. give it to travis which she probably won't yeah but yeah
1: no but still <laughs> yeah it's like uh yeah and that's always been kind of questionable to me like okay i think we're taking travis's actions in this episode kind of too lightly like yeah He
0: was being, I think even he was taking them too lightly. He didn't realize how serious it was that he was acting the way that he was with a gun. Mm -hmm. That's just an accident waiting to happen.
1: Yeah, well, and now that you say that, it becomes very obvious to me that this is probably a parallel to the flashback that Natalie's having of this horrible gun accident. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of... Yeah, Yeah, she definitely has
0: PTSD with guns, which is understandable. Yeah,
1: and you can tell, like, every time she holds a gun in this episode, I get really emotionally distressed for her. She's winning my stress off for this episode, (laughs) because I get really upset for her every time she has to hold a gun in this episode. Because, like, once you've seen the episode, you understand, obviously, why she has PTSD from holding guns. But, like, then that becomes her whole fucking job in the wilderness, is to be a hunter and to, like, kill things with a gun. It's like horrible it's just yeah terrible. she has to
0: like reclaim her trauma by right. using it to provide for people we mentioned that simone is a complete professor which i don't know if i just like never knew that or if i forgot about it but there you go politics small talk is like and like networking and stuff is like so cringe to me. Like I was so I know that we're supposed to be uncomfortable because Taiga says uncomfortable, but I was so uncomfortable watching her interact with all these people at this party. Yeah,
1: I always forget how much these scenes feel like a little mini horror movie. Yeah, like basically Ty's storyline in this episode is like Shiva baby horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. Like you get really stressed out for her, and it's uncomfortable to watch. So about Ty and the meat, I can't actually tell from the scene if she's like a strict vegetarian or if she just doesn't like to eat meat because it makes her feel uncomfortable. I feel like she was uncomfortable by the, certainly about the idea of, they're like cooking a whole roasted pork or like like a whole roasted pig at this political gathering, which is really fucking weird. But yeah, and Ty is like, she, I guess she... Simone makes a comment about how Ty forgot to eat earlier or something like that. So to me, it sounds like she tries to like pregame events like this by eating something that's not meat so that she doesn't have to go there and like eat meat. And I just assume it's just because eating meat makes her feel uncomfortable. But
0: maybe she's yeah. a strict
1: vegetarian. I, Either way would make sense. I, I guess. got
0: the vibe that she doesn't like to eat meat in front of other people, especially like I don't know if she's a vegetarian, yeah. but she's not going to eat meat at like some political event. Yeah. Uh, especially with the yeah. political ads that are being run against her right now. That's true. She's controlling yeah, in I the comfort also, of her own home.
1: Honestly, I could also see her being like so bothered by like the trauma of that whole experience. And and also the fact that they basically once they run out of, I don't know, corn nuts and little Debbie snack cakes from the plane, <laughs> like they're just eating meat basically the whole time. Like that's all they would have been able to eat in the wilderness. So I don't know. Makes sense to me that she'd have weird hang-ups about meat, either way. Yeah, I get it. It would be
0: weirder if she didn't have weird hang-ups about me, but I did. Yeah, looking at you, Shauna. (laughs) God. Shauna should have the most (laughs) weird hang-ups about meat, to be honest.
1: But she's like, nah, she's cooking
0: up rabbits from the garden man <laughs> i did have the question of did they serve pig on purpose like it kind of seems like they're like taunting taisa like why are you serving first of all to serve a full roasted pig in 2021 i feel like is not a very common thing like who's going to a party no. in 2021 where they're serving i mean i guess maybe it's new jersey like if this were like la i'd be like no fucking way would they be serving <laughs> a full roasted pig
1: I mean, I don't know if it makes sense for New Jersey either. The only place that I would think of doing this is
0: like in like the Hawaii south. where it's oh. part of the culture. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I was thinking like, like the deep south too, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know. That does seem kind of weird for like suburban New Jersey. Like you guys are cooking whole roasted pigs on a spit or what?
0: Yeah. Like I guess it's uh, supposed but- to be a really fancy party, but it was weird.
1: It also reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this term, but like uh, long pig is, I've heard of it used as a term for like human bodies consumed via cannibalism, basically.
2: Oh, I haven't Uh, heard of it. And there's
1: like this association supposedly between like pork and human meat. I don't know how actually true this is or if I'm just recounting like an urban legend to you, but that's something that I have heard of before.
0: Um, i'm sure it's a yeah. thing i'm sure that so. i just haven't heard of it
1: but yeah there you go that's something to think of that's what i always think about when i rewatch this scene basically i'm like oh i don't know is is she gonna have a direct flashback there i don't know
0: taisa doesn't really like care about this stuff that much like she's not interested in talking to these people she hates it the topics that people bring up with her to discuss she also doesn't really seem to care about that much and i'm just like why is she a politician She doesn't really seem like she she really would care that much. But I guess we don't really see that much from her as like why she became a politician. But and then I mean, I guess she does also intend to drop out of the race later on, which makes a lot of sense. And then she only decides to stay in because of, I guess, the other tie in a way. But yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think it could be like she clearly doesn't like the schmoozing part in this episode where she's like having to do these stupid rituals of like sucking up to people and talking about their personal pet issue or, you know, uh, later on in the episode when she has to, she's going to try and suck up to that one lady who's going to give her money and whatnot. I mean, I think the thing is like we are seeing her basically at the point where her life is starting to unravel. So we're seeing everything as it's all going wrong for her. So we're not necessarily necessarily like seeing her in her political element because I assume that I mean, she must have a political element, like, she must have, you know, political talent and stuff like that. But yeah, we kind of see the worst of it. Like, we see her going through this horrifying scenario of being needled by, like, frankly, like, a lot of obnoxious white people at a party Yeah. Have a lot of money that she needs to get from them, and she has to, like, go through their condescension, their stupid comments and stuff.
0: And be taunted by a roasted pig and have wolf hallucinations.
1: Right. I mean, we definitely see many reasons why perhaps we would like her to not be a politician, but...
0: (laughs) Yes, especially in this episode. We've got a Shauna-Adam scene. I literally don't have anything to say about it.
1: (laughs) I think there was also one earlier that we totally skipped over, and I was completely fine with that, because I generally don't have anything to say about Shauna and Adam. That's going to be a
0: repetitive thing for us. I don't have anything (laughs) to say about Shauna and Adam.
1: I think... Like the takeaway from their scenes in this episode, there is there is another interesting takeaway in the in a later scene in this episode. But yes. the general takeaway is, yeah, I think we are both excited to
0: talk about that one particular thing. <laughs> yeah, I know um, exactly what it is. Uh, I know you know. Um, their stuff is better in the next yeah. episode, I think. But we'll get to that. Yes,
1: the general theme here is like Shauna is perpetually stuck kind of as her teenage self or she's like she's going around and she's doing these things and she's like well I, I was never able to do that when I was younger I mean I don't think that's necessarily true because she was like 17 when the plane crashed so I'm sure she could have done this stuff in high school before then but it's like it's this Whole theme of Arrested development with her, where she's living out these like edgy teenage fantasies, like, oh, I'm going to go get some guy to buy me beer, even though I don't have an ID or whatever. And so she's doing this with Adam, and that's like feeling her attraction, I guess. Uh, I did also know that in that scene, Adam, like, asks her something about her past, and she, like, completely shuts that question down and, like, changes the topic to something else. I also noted that they're drinking what appears to be, like, Sunny D mixed with vodka, which is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Well,
0: very teenager. So, yeah, exactly. So those are my thoughts on that scene. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> thoughts when I don't. We I complete know. each other as podcast hosts wow (laughs) i really had to
1: try for that one so
0: i'm sure i could have come up with something but thank you (laughs) jessica roberts is like literally everywhere she's at this restaurant that natalie and kevin are at and also misty's there because she's (laughs) looking out for natalie as she would put it and she bought her patient with her which i thought was really funny i was like good for her. yeah what's her do we know her name the old lady
1: uh I'm not sure about this one. This is a different one from
0: Gloria. Yeah, I like her though. I was like, good for her. She gets to go out, have a drink. Yeah, she fun.
1: She had some sassy comments (laughs) that were pretty funny. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: it's Kevin and Nat on a date. Also, Misty is there,
0: <laughs> and also <laughs> Jessica Jesse Roberts, Roberts is there.
1: It's like everybody's on the date with Kevin I and Nat.
0: Jessica Roberts was briefly in this episode, but I found her funny because she's so like blasé about everything. Like she's like, "Yeah, I am here stalking you, and I don't care that you see me." She <laughs> really does not care. She's not even trying to hide. Like later when yep. when Misty like, comes hey, up Misty. to her, she's just like, "Yeah, I know you're here." She just kind of knows yeah. everything. Doesn't really care. So when they bring out this pig at the event that Taisa is at, she sees a, is it a stag that she sees? Yep, a deer head on a plate. Not sure what that really means other than, oh, I ate a lot of that when I was in the wilderness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, maybe it's also part of the recurring, like, antler and deer symbolism you know where it kind of symbolizes the idea of the wilderness being in them she's like having this i guess i was gonna say ominous that's the word i'm looking for she's having this like ominous vision in this moment like i think for thaisa i don't know any like reminders of her past are very like intrusive uh because it's something that she tries hard to keep separate from this life that she has so like when she sees stuff like that or later on in the episode she has a vision of a wolf and stuff it's very like upsetting for her because it's like she tries so hard to cut that part of herself off and out from herself yeah that's my deep take on that i don't uh, i guess
0: that's what the people are here for the deep takes
1: (laughs) We'll try to keep delivering.
0: Maybe this is a deep observation. Probably not. But I noticed that some of these annoying white people that Thaisa is talking to are saying that Phil Bathurst... Is that his last name? Bathurst? Phil Bathurst, her opponent. Uh-huh. His supporters have been chanting spill, which is interesting, knowing that this is a word that is vandalized onto Thaisa's home later on in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why they assumed... Does she assume that it was him or one of his supporters that did it? I don't really remember. I think she does assume that. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. But I didn't really put that together. I never noticed that this was the thing that was said.
1: That that was when that was started. Yeah, I didn't notice that either actually. That this is the first time that we've heard that.
0: Because I was mostly blocking out everything that these people said, like Taisa was because they were really annoying, but yeah. I, I did notice that yeah. they also I did also say that say... the that the uh pig was ridiculous. They were like who's they were talking about how yeah. like crazy it was that they were serving pigs. Well that's
1: good. <laughs> that's good that at least some of them have some awareness yeah. of it. I also said that like in this scene, taisa's like me at parties slamming down Priyat alcohol to have to deal with interacting with
0: this many people (laughs) right especially like these types of parties where it's like networking
1: Uh oh god i can't i actually cannot imagine that i cannot imagine myself in that kind of yeah i've never had to do
0: networking but i feel like i cannot think of something that i would be worse at like thank god (laughs) i don't have to do that for my job I suck at talking to people, especially when it is about like stuff where I'm supposed to, you know, be businessy or whatever. Anyway, well. it also seems to be a little bit of a, of a theme, which happens more directly later, but that people are kind of pressing tight. It's a very common topic of conversation to like press her for answers as to what happened in the wilderness.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you can see why she was concerned about other people leaking, other other yellow jackets leaking information about this to the press, because that's something that she is constantly asked about, constantly has to deny. Like, she's really fielding that a lot, which, you know, to be fair, she is also like running for public office. So she is putting herself in a situation where those questions are going to be asked.
0: And then she sees a wolf again. Is this the first time she sees, like, a full, like, like, we get, like, a full shot of, like, a wolf, like, walking across the room?
1: I think so. She sees it and she, like, heads towards it, which I thought was, like, kind of interesting. Like, oh, that should be, like, kind of bad. You should right. maybe head away from Did it. Did she think no, it she was real? It.
2: That's the I, other I mean, she can't
1: have thought that that was real. I think she's just having it. She's, like, stressed out. And, like, I can't imagine she thought that was real. Yeah. Know? She's probably like, "What the fuck is going on in my mind right now?"
0: But I was wondering, she goes off to smoke, and I was wondering if they were smoking. And in- it looked like they were inside. I was like, "Are you guys smoking inside?" I guess maybe it was like a sunroom or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess if it's somebody's house, maybe maybe you can do that at the. That's crazy. I don't know, People smoke inside gatherings? in
0: 2021. <laughs> what is this? 1952. I, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I've
1: actually ever, I'm sure I've seen people smoke inside buildings before. I think when I was very, very young, it was still legal to smoke inside parts of restaurants, but it wasn't common. And I think it was being legislated away.
2: I would think,
0: does Natalie smoke cigarettes? Adult Natalie? I just always find it an interesting character trait when people smoke cigarettes. It's I always notice it. Well, especially in a show like this, where it's like, they're not, you know, it's not like a period piece. So it's not like everybody's smoking, but this is the only time we see Thaisa smoke in the show. It's obviously something that she does when she's stressed. I don't think she's like a smoker.
1: I think I've also known people who will, like smoke at parties yeah. Like only drunk. at parties or like in a social situation Yeah a lot of people um, do that I think the last time I smoked a cigarette was that like a it was that like a concert or something like during intermission kind of thing Anyway yeah, that socially matter.
0: smoking is a thing for sure
1: Yeah socially smoking but yeah I think it's just a stress thing honestly yeah. I think she's just like oh I need a cigarette which is not a thought that I personally have ever had but you see people do that on TV at least for sure <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I need yeah, a cigarette. no, I that's get like it. like a TV it. character
2: thing.
0: Or it's like a, a very, it's like, oh, when you're watching a TV show or a movie and it's like, oh, we just had sex. You have to smoke cigarettes now. It's like a post-sex right. thing too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which again, like, I don't think people really do that in real life that
1: much. I, not something I've personally done. I will say that. I don't think it's really that common house.
0: nowadays. I don't know. I, Whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a TV
0: and movie <laughs> thing. It is for sure. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so we're back at the the restaurant and Misty's trying to get a hold of Natalie. And then Kevin notices that Misty's there and Natalie like storms over to her and asks what the fuck she's doing here. And Misty says, Jessica Roberts here and she's been watching you. And that's like, well, what have you been doing? And Misty says, I'm (laughs) having your back.
1: I laughed out loud at that. Yeah. Misty is also literally there watching her. But Misty is like, oh, it's fine if I do it. In her mind, she's like, oh, it's okay if I'm doing it. That's like her whole rationale. Like she's she's been stalking all of the yellow jackets <laughs> and her whole thing is like, you know what? It's okay because I'm watching out for them. Yeah, like I'm just making stalking sure they're is saying. okay as long as as long as long you have the right intentions, you know? <laughs> to be fair like i guess technically lottie is also basically stalking natalie at least later on in the season or at some point she starts doing that so and she uses the
0: same defense she's like well good thing (laughs) i was there because if not you'd be dead oh my god but she comes from a way different it's almost like she comes from a way different place than misty though but i guess she doesn't it's kind of like it's kind of they just have different mentalities about it
1: well, there's that there's this thing, like sometimes sometimes the other women are like super judgmental and harsh towards Misty about something that they kinda also are guilty of. Like you mm-hmm. see that later on with Shauna when she's like you know, she's like, Oh Misty, you have such serial killer vibes and it's like, Well, arguably you know shauna you've actually stabbed a man on the show so hey girl yeah you've literally you've
0: killed people calm down (laughs) yeah and you all participated in cutting up a body
1: right exactly so maybe there's a little bit of hypocrisy there sometimes towards misty from the other girls but yeah Anyway, we're way off topic in
0: that scene. (laughs) Did you catch the Resilient Isles reference in this scene?
1: I sure did. I wrote it down, quote, we're not Resilient Isles, go the fuck home.
0: (laughs) It's honestly such an obscure reference that I had to look up who wrote the episode and I was like, what lesbian wrote this episode?
1: Yeah, honestly, the only people I've ever heard talk about Resilient Isles are like lesbians. I didn't (laughs) even know that that other
0: people who aren't lesbians know what it is
1: apparently they do apparently natalie
0: apparently natalie knows what it is and she's knows it enough to (laughs) reference it i was like why does natalie know brazilian isles
1: (laughs) i know it's like such a I don't like it's just a procedural show, right? Like I actually yeah. haven't seen it myself. I've never seen know like, of it. I know, either. Of, it. Like I know of it because
0: I'm gay. That's it. And there's
1: two women on it and they're named Brazilian Isles and I know people ship them. That's what I know about it. Yeah, that's so... what it is. It's,
0: it's apparently like like the definition of queer bait. I couldn't attest to okay. that, but according to people, it is.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe this is a hint that Natalie Scatorcio is really passionate about uh queer bait <laughs> procedurals. <laughs> Uh, I think she'd like to tell us anything about herself. I believe know, one of
0: them is a lawyer and one of them is something else, but they have to work together. Mm-hmm. I don't think one of them is a doctor, okay. but I know that one of them listeners, is a
1: lawyer. Listeners, if you know what Rosalyn Isles is, and you'd like to tell us, we could literally just <laughs> drop us a line. It. I know, but it's more fun hearing you tell me one of them is a doctor and the other one's something. Something you said lawyer. Okay, you wait, said hold a on.
0: Okay, the okay. plot follows Boston homicide police detective Jane Rizzoli and chief medical examiner Dr. Maura Isles oh, combining their experiences okay. and strikingly different personalities to solve cases. It sounds really <laughs> so. It's a, detective
1: and a, it's a detective and a doctor though. So it's basically like a cop show and a doctor show. But instead together. of it being
0: two men, like it would typically be it's two women so right. groundbreaking that,
1: that does sound gay i like it <laughs> it
0: does sound gay for sure anyway very obscure reference i wonder why they included that but it was funny they could have done like a yeah. more well known thing to reference but very interesting that they referenced Brazilian isles
1: Maybe that show I guess because they're two women, the maybe that's why
0: they specifically went with Rosalian Isles. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah. And they were like, we're just going to ignore any implications that come from this association.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you watched resilient Isles, tell us which of Natalie and Misty, who is Rosalian, who is Isles, and tell us why. Yeah, Some listener like- feedback.
1: Like Misty would want to be the detective, but she's probably the weird one that works in the morgue.
0: Right. We're saying this without any knowledge of the character's personalities though. Right. So I don't actually know if
1: she's weird. So I, I apologize to Rosillian Isles Stan
0: if I got your,
1: <laughs> your fave character completely wrong. I have no clue what the fuck I'm talking
0: right, but about. But there's gonna be people that are like, How have you how do you guys not know about Rosillion Isles? We do know about know. it, okay. We know of it.
1: We know of it. Yeah, you know of we're just it. Which is completely uninformed. That's enough.
0: Yeah. I guarantee you, 90% <laughs> of the people who watch Yellow Jackets don't know it. Not 90%. Most of the people who watch this episode, um, they were like, What's Resilient Isles? What is she talking about? A
1: percentage
0: number of some sort. Yeah. Some, some
1: percent. A good of amount.
0: Viewers do not know what that is. So, yeah. So, shout out to whoever wrote that line. I don't know who it was because the writing <laughs> credits were just, you know, the typical Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson, Liz Fair. Okay. Is that her name? Liz Uh Fair, I think. Anyway, I don't know. I just have a note that says the Misty Jessica romance begins because for some reason their scenes like I don't ship them or anything but their scenes have a romantic vibe to me they have like a love story in a way (laughs) they really do what
1: you're telling me now (laughs) this is one of the homoerotic friendships that we're collecting is Misty and Jessica this is like a homoerotic enemy ship I feel yeah it's definitely I I did kind of get that from when they oh I also okay before we get to that the other thing that I wrote down from the Nat Misty scene was that the patient that misty was with tells her you he remind me of my granddaughter no one really likes her either and <laughs> it fucking cracks me up every fucking time i watch this episode It's like the funniest line in the whole show what a like, great line delivery that woman saying that to misty and misty does not like she doesn't even register it it's just so funny <laughs>
0: Shout out uh, to the yeah. woman playing that character and delivering that Absolutely.
1: line. We love you, nursing home lady. <laughs> you're so funny. Then the Misty and Jessica Roberts scene. And yeah, it is charged with kind of a weird tension. Like Their um, whole
0: arc over season one is kind of like that. Because it's kind of like Jessica is not fazed by anything that Misty does. And Misty no, tells her in this scene, no. if you're not afraid of me, then you should be afraid of me. And I was just like, if she's not afraid of Misty, she's not afraid of anyone because
2: the way that she just does not
0: care at all right this woman has been I guess through that's a lot jessica's
1: been through some shit she's like whatever cannibalism that's no big deal i don't care oh i i just got kidnapped whatever don't care about that either <laughs> so she's obviously done some hardcore jobs as a political fixer i don't know like she's
0: seen some shit what could she she yeah. holds all the secrets what, what the could world. she
1: have done oh my god she knows all the like she knows the Illuminati and shit.
0: I've never really thought that before about Misty and Jessica but there was something about this scene and then like knowing their arc for the rest of the season where I was like wow there's kind of a vibe there's kind of a like weird you enemy like, oh, weird girl arc. comes <laughs> across
1: to you in a bar and she's like oh, I liked your vibe <laughs> would it be cool if I kidnapped you
0: can I order you a chocolate martini
1: you know what? I had not thought of that either, but that's, I can see it. I can see it. I'm the discovering things them. about myself. Vibes.
0: I'm discovering things about myself <laughs> with this rewatch.
1: Yeah. You're a misty Jessica shipper. <laughs> Apparently, You're really into like kidnapping, <laughs> tying people up, you know, um, you sure, sure. believe that Shauna pegs men. That's another. Thing that's that not a,
0: That's not a radical opinion. That's basically canon. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> also, we stand, Travis.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a surprise to a lot of people, but including um, us, definitely including us.
0: Mini golfing is a great activity, and that's all I have to say about this scene.
1: I love yep. mini golfing. It's a great thing to do. My only note was, like, the Adam's like, oh, are you hustling me to Shauna? And later on in season two, the creepy cop guy tells Callie, he's like, oh, did you hustle me? Oh,
0: love a parallel. Yeah, there's a parallel. Especially a parallel between Callie and Shauna. That's one of my favorite type of parallels. Yes, agree. That's the
1: reason that I bring it up. Not because I love a parallel between Adam and Matt Syracuse or whatever the (laughs) fuck
0: that guy's name is,
1: but because it's technically a Shauna and Callie. (laughs) Shawna and Callie parallel. My god, I can't even talk right now.
0: There is some really great interactions in this scene back in the wilderness where they're looking for berries. Akilah is a berries expert. She learned all about it in Girl Scouts. Truly, what would we do without her? We'd probably all be dead without her because we would eat berries and we'd die from poison.
1: Exactly. Akilah is super important. Also like Van would be dead because nobody would be there to sew up her mouth. So like Akilah has been important. She's carrying her weight you know as a even even though she's from jv like hey she's pulling her weight man she wish transcended she
0: the label of jv who's to say she right? didn't survive okay oh well i'll
1: think... say that i'm a i'm a skeptic about that from
0: no how, i i agree my... i just lo- i think yeah. it doesn't really make I sense wish. that there'd be more survivors but i love Aquila so much mm-hmm. that i'm like no i need her to be alive yeah,
1: if i could pick one person sorry maria i love it you it would be but... akila
0: it would be Akila,
1: no doubt. If I could pick anyone. If person, I could pick two,
0: Mari would be like, there. But if I could only pick one, it right, would be Aquila. Exactly. Yeah, fuck you, Jen and Melissa. Yeah, I'm fuck Just kidding. <laughs> and all of the other unnamed extras.
1: Right. Various people whose names we don't know yet, but may meet in the future. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, this is famously the the uh, coach need a sponge bath scene. That's what I think of it as.
0: It's Ty and Van making fun of Misty and being mean. Yes, and joking around yeah, and being... just like having a blast joking with each other.
1: What does Misty say? I don't even know. She's like a she, she's she like, Can can we
0: wrap this up and find out what berries yeah. we need yeah. to eat? Like, I gotta get back.
1: Right. I got stuff to do. <laughs> and
0: Van says, why? Coach, need a And like, her and Ty
1: just like bust out laughing. It's so funny. I think even um, Laura you Lee also did a little
2: bit
1: of that. Right? You also <laughs> hear them in the background talking mm-hmm. during the scene. Van put a berry on Ty, apparently. That's what I wrote down.
0: I couldn't figure out who was saying what, but I did catch that it was them. Someone was like, why'd you put a berry on me? Ew.
1: I think it was Van putting a berry on Ty. That's, that would that's make what sense. I interpreted. Yeah. Yeah because they were being gay in the woods.
0: (laughs) Even if it's just
1: <laughs> their try voices Trying to be subtle See, this is like this is how we're gonna cornplate every time man scene by making it like a super important thing and talking about it for five minutes. Listen, they didn't really like of, five seconds. We didn't have
0: a lot of content in the first half of season one. We're making no, do it extreme. It's true. We'll get there
1: eventually. I'm gonna be so excited when they each episode that I watch, I'm like I know it doesn't happen this early, but I'm like, Oh, I hope they kiss in this. I'm one. pretty sure they kiss
0: in they the kiss next in one. This one. I think it's the next yeah. one. Oh well, we're mean, so close we're
1: like counting down the minutes like oh, oh even coming up we've seen it before You're like yeah like oh god you can tell what our focus is on this podcast the important stuff okay
0: what do you want yeah <laughs> but yeah this is when when Lottie sees the symbol for the first time and again she's kind of I mentioned this earlier but she's kind of like off in her own little world even though she's present for this berry-picking session.
1: She's just kind of, I don't know, being a little weird, looking at symbols carved into trees.
0: And they find the plane. Who finds this? Is it Jackie who finds it?
1: Jackie? Yeah, I think it's Jackie. Oh, good job, Jackie. Jackie finds the plane. Laura Lee, like, jumps into it immediately, because Laura Lee just wants to get on a plane again i don't know seems like a bad idea somehow but she turns it on and jackie and van are standing in front of it as laura lee turns the plane on and the the plane like starts moving and going forward and so like jackie pushes van out of the way and almost gets hit by the plane before they're able to stop it that's how the whole scene goes down
0: yeah, Jackie's having her hero moment. She said, I really got to make up yeah. things with Van. Let me push her out of the way She's... and then just stand here.
1: <laughs> Let me sacrifice myself this time. <laughs> yeah, she throws herself in the line of danger to save Van, which is very, um, that's good. You know, that's that's how you be an ally to lesbians. lesbian.
0: <laughs> Jackie said, I'm going to show my allyship. I got it. That's Don't worry. Right. Lottie says it didn't want him to leave. very ominous thing about the plane. It's starting. The it. The it being the wilderness is is starting.
1: Talking about. I feel like we've gotten little hints here and there of wilderness related stuff. But yeah, I think this is the first time we kind of get a hint of it being personified as this thing. And it is indeed in the episode after Lottie runs out of her meds. So,
0: Which I'm sure is not an accident.
1: Definitely not.
0: There was a few moments in this episode that stood out to me that I was like, "Oh, this is like one of my favorite scenes in the episode." This was one of them. This scene with Taisa and the political lady that she needs to get money from. Yep. In the beginning the of the evil scene, yeah, moments. the the horribly evil. Oh my God, she was so evil. I was like, "Whoa, she's terrible. She's awful." <sighs> Ty is talking about, like, oh, like, it's so nice how far one generation has come. Like, I get to, like, be in this, I get to be married to a woman and, like, be like she's basically talking about like how like nice and important it is to like provide representation for the generation and stuff.
1: She's talking about the, the magic of gay marriage and how, <laughs> how far things have come. Pretty much yeah. Um, You know how much things have changed. One might argue I mean this show is set in 2021. One might argue there's been somewhat of a backslide since then somewhat in terms of yeah. progress on gay rights in America but you know.
0: I guess this is, yeah, and then, this is like Ty showing a little bit of her political side because I I talked right. about earlier I was like does she even care about politics
1: it seems like from this I do think she's putting it on a little bit but I do think it's also like a genuine thing for her like I do yeah. think I don't get the sense that Taisa sure she wants to be a politician and she wants to make all this change and stuff and you know you can always question the motives of like people who put themselves in situations like that people who are basically asking for power and stuff but like I do get the sense that she's like genuine about those things personally I don't know maybe it's because I like her and no as, I agree as a character, I think but...
0: it, it, would, it would be kind of I mean I'm sure that there are people like this but it's crazy to like live your life as a visible you know gay black woman and not care about that stuff like oh like I just like yeah like you're affected by those things so of course yeah yeah for
1: sure I just i don't know i think there's very cynical ways to read it you know like oh she's just saying that because she cares about like her career or whatever she's just saying these things i mean i think to a certain extent you do have to like part of her whole storyline with the politician thing is she always has to put on this like politician persona and this like politician person suit but i i mean it's not that she doesn't care about that stuff
0: yeah i think in in, in this context she of course has to has to put it on a little bit in this context right especially because of who she's talking to, but this is like one of the few times in the show that Thaisa does like talk about anything like this. Like, Taissa doesn't really talk about being queer, which is fine. Not saying that she has to, but I've always, like, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more when we get to season two, but, like, something that is really noticeable to me is that, like, for example, with someone like Van as an adult, like, Van is the type of lesbian who, like, owns a store where she has, like, a gazillion pride flags on the walls. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, oh, had you noticed that? (laughs) Had I noticed that? Yeah, just a little bit. In, like, a very, very queer town right uh-huh. and yeah is the type of person that like doesn't she doesn't really seem like she's very um like involved in queer culture and stuff like that which is like perfectly fine like some gay people are involved and some aren't as much and I always like notice that like Ty is more of the type of person where she I mean she even says it a little bit as a teenager when Van tries to talk about like oh you don't want people to know that we're together and Taisa's just like no it's no one's business like I just think that Taisa doesn't really need to talk about it or like be involved in culture and stuff like that but she's also not like she's proud of it though whereas like Van is the type of person who's all who's like very involved Right. And it's it's cool to see I mean, different types of queer people and how they express it.
1: I agree. And I think that, I mean, it generally like kind of makes sense to me with their characters. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, they do start out hiding their relationship in the wilderness and then eventually they do come out. And like for them, that period of their life would have been hugely freeing in the sense of like, you know, they're going from the very homophobic closet of 90s to you know, a a situation where nobody, nobody cares, like nobody judges them in a negative way. They can just be this way. They can be what they are and they can just love each other and not have to hide it. And that's like enormously freeing. And then they go back to society and they just have as people, very different reactions to it. And we see that they kind of have different you know they have different ways of like presenting themselves, different ways of like you said interacting with like queer culture, different ways like different approaches to basically a whole lot of things. So yeah, I think that's that's really interesting.
0: I love nothing more than to see a post wilderness flashback to like after they get back <laughs> from the wilderness, like I don't know, yeah. like the year two thousand or something like that. Like let's let's have a whole uh-huh. episode of Shauna and Jeff's wedding. Would love it. Yeah. And all of the interactions. Would, so good. I would love that. I'm also like, I don't know. I don't know if I ever directly
1: want to see when they broke up, but I'm very curious about it. I like, at
0: least need not somebody. saying I have to see it. Yeah. I need but I, I need to be able to want... figure out why they broke up. Yeah. Right. Because there's I mean, literally kinda, so many you, options, it's impossible to figure it out. It's like, there could right? think of for so many, a million different reasons they could break up. It's so intriguing,
1: too, especially with the way that they behave towards each other when they reunite. Like, they clearly, they're not over it. Like, they are so not over it. But yeah. anyways, whatever. We could
0: if do you, a whole... Bonus episode where we theorize about what the fuck happened between Ty and Van and how they broke up.
1: Yeah. I mean, this whole podcast is basically just going to be us talking about Ty and Van. So, <laughs> and then other
0: things also happen. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about other things, I guess. Yeah, we do. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, fuck this lady. She's evil and very manipulative. She's trying to like manipulate Ty into like telling her what really went down in the wilderness. Like, why is everyone so convinced? and insistent that other stuff went down in the wilderness. Like, nobody takes what they said at not face value.
1: It's also, like, they really just want to exploit this horrible, traumatic thing that happened to them for, like, you know, a salacious, like, tabloid story, basically. They're like... Ooh, so did you people out there? Ooh, crazy. Like, not thinking about the. I mean, it's just like they came back from like the worst thing that could possibly happen to them in their lives. And all these people are like trying to take advantage of that or just seeing them entirely through that lens. And that's kind of all boiled down in this scene to Assassins, really. You know, because this would happen to Ty because she's the most public figure. It's very, I don't know, it's very upsetting, this whole thing where she's supposed to have to like grovel to this woman.
0: Yeah, and then she she breaks and she doesn't grow. She's sticking to her story, to the story at first. And then she kind of just like really tells her off. Second episode in a row where I used to tells someone off and it's really satisfying Yep.
1: She says, uh, yes, ma'am, I'll perfectly calibrate my tone as I tell you to go fuck yourself. Applause. Which I really, I love that. That's such a good moment. I think that's one of those moments where we really see, like, the real Thaisa, like, that's her mm-hmm. just letting herself exist and not having to, like, put on the politician mask obviously like she just you know she was gonna try and get money from this woman and she just tells her to fuck off and it's like super satisfying yeah she said
0: nope i i can't do it
1: yep she's like you know
0: damn the consequences
1: for my political career
0: you crossed the line yeah (laughs) she also says i'm not sure anyone else could ever understand what happened in the wilderness which yes again we're all bonded all of these women are bonded Okay, so yeah, then we have more uh, Natalie and Kevin. This is when Natalie gives him the tape. And I just said, yeah, everyone's manipulating people in this episode. Let's go. She really <laughs> just like had this plan to like, because I think she knows how Kevin feels about her. So
1: He's like, oh, man, you had to know that I was like, totally in love with you. And it's like, yeah, really? You think she noticed?
0: Dude?
1: <laughs> She's like, leading you around, like on a string in this whole episode, basically.
0: Yeah, everything was um, really calculated.
1: She's like, oh, I'm just going to go get that mixtape that he made me when we were like 15 and I'm going to give it back to him. And then he's going to get the talks report about Travis.
0: It's really that simple.
1: Yeah, very devious of her. Don't underestimate that.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of people like to say, which I don't necessarily disagree with this, but a lot of people would say that Natalie is the most quote unquote like moral out of all of the characters. Like she has the most strong moral compass, I guess. I guess because it's kind of unwavering, like from what we've seen in the wilderness to adulthood, it seems to be pretty constant, but even she does her fair share of manipulation and stuff. I mean, as we saw in this episode, I mean, I don't think that this was an awful thing to do or anything like that, whatever. I don't really care, but yeah, yeah. I do forget that like Natalie has also done some shit, (laughs) some fucked up shit. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and she also like participates in, everything that everyone else does too like she's she's eating jackie right right <laughs> i always like that one shot of her like during the bacchanal part of the jackie eating scene where she's <laughs> like she's, she's like really digging I knew it. know exactly like, what mm, you're talking oh, about i know you do and she's like mm, this is so good
0: i always see that gif
1: I love it. It it Sophie Thatcher was really
0: method acting in that scene. Yeah, she
1: was like, you know, the rent was due in that scene. And she was like,
0: damn, this is a good
1: whatever the fuck I'm eating right now. Scrumptious. Jackfruit and rice paper or whatever. But yeah, Nat definitely, I I do feel like a lot of people look to her as like the moral compass of the show. But like she isn't necessarily above anybody. Like she's also always participating in things with them. So like she's doing her manipulations in this episode. She helps them cover up a dead body like she takes part in the cannibalism she takes part in the whole hobby thing like so that's kind of interesting to think about like why people still cling on to her specifically as like the moral compass in a different way i mean maybe it's because of the way that she processes like guilt and her responsibility yeah i think maybe
0: she shows she shows her remorse the most out of everyone that's not to say she has more remorse but she just like is more visibly showing it Yeah,
1: definitely. I would say that's probably it.
0: Yeah, like, after the whole Javi thing happens, like, she just feels so awful and guilty. And it's like, everybody else also probably feels that way. They're just not letting themselves feel that way and kind of blocking it out. Yeah.
1: And I think, like, Natalie's whole thing is, like, she... I mean, she basically becomes what we know of her. She becomes a drug addict and she uses like drugs to numb these feelings. So it's like Natalie is the one who really wears her heart on her sleeves. And that makes her, I think, like a very endearing character. And that's a character that the audience can look at and say like, oh, she's the moral compass, even though actually, like I said, she's also participating in all of these things. So she's not necessarily like... yeah elevated the connection people have is like to the way that she expresses like her feelings about it she's a very like I feel like a very a pretty earnest character like she's an empath like I said (laughs) no that's adult Lottie. no I'm just kidding just
0: kidding she's really compassionate though too yeah for sure yeah I think maybe the people who are, I mean, I don't think anyone is a moral compass, but maybe the people who are are the people who die. So. Well,
1: see, that's the other thing, though. Like, you say that almost, like, just as a toss off comment, but, like, I do think that's a theme on the show. Like, mm-hmm. the people who die, generally, are not the ones who deserve to die. And so, like, the people who end up surviving are going to be, almost by necessity, the most morally tainted by the end. Like, Laura Lee goes out really early, and we think, like, oh, Laura Lee is, like, this morally upright, like, kind, you know, giving, generous person, right? But, like, we also just, she died, and and we never, like, would she have participated in the cannibalism? Who knows? But she didn't get to that point. Where she would have had to make that kind of choice so like yeah i do think that the people who die have like moral purity compared to the survivors but that's also like part of the point
0: maybe that is a reason why natalie dies as an adult or is at least the first person to well not the first person that was travis but you know what i mean like because she yeah. does kind of show her guilt and express it like more than everyone else or at least from what we've seen so far then yeah. it does kind of make sense that like, oh my God, not Natalie. Like she's, she's I the one who cares
1: the show, or whatever. Like, I do think on the show, like the deaths are, they're not supposed to be like satisfying or like, oh yeah, I'm glad that person died kind of thing, which is, you know, anyway, I guess we'll get into that more as people die more on the show. But yeah, that's definitely a theme going on there.
0: Okay. So we get the flex backstory and my note is just like, I said this earlier, but not to minimize Travis's feelings, but like, is it really that big of a deal right now? I understand being annoyed. It's probably a little bit, maybe this is the wrong word to use. It's probably a little bit like triggering for him to like hear people call him Flex because, you know, he was like bullied by people with that nickname. But it's also just like, just let people call you Flex. Like, they only call you Flex when you're being an asshole. So maybe just stop being an asshole if it bothers you that much. And it's like, maybe
1: adjust I- your behavior Yeah, and that wouldn't happen. We have other
0: stuff to worry about right now. Like, why are you so... He's acting like... Like, when, he fir- when I first watched this episode and he was explaining where he got the name Flex from, I was expecting it to be this horrible traumatic thing. And it really was just some, like, typical teenage boy making fun of you shit from the 90s like Uh it's just like travis yeah you're not like get over it you're not in high school anymore
2: right
1: (laughs) try being a teenage girl in the 90s anyways yeah come on
0: even worse like it really is not that big of a deal sorry (laughs) the stuff he goes through in the wilderness is way bigger of a deal i would agree
1: with that yeah he's just being kind of sensitive about it i think that's a thing with him like he's sensitive and doesn't have a good way of expressing his emotions so he blitz it out with basically toxic masculinity and like accusing that of being a slut and stuff i don't think he does that in this episode but he will eventually i don't know he
0: did tell yeah. her that she's he's, better at is... sucking dick than shooting a gun
1: oh my god he did say that we can't defend travis as much in this episode
0: not as much although now it this does is, get a little he's bit kind
1: of the, this is where he gets he's kind of the worst he's kind of the worst and throughout like the middle part of season one he shows little glints of being redeemable and then he does something terrible again. And yeah, we just got to suffer through that. But yeah, he digs up his dad's dead body to get Coach Martinez's ring for Javi. So Travis's whole thing is like, He's not really, like, he's a hunter along with Nat, but I think, like, for Natalie, like, the hunting is, like, so we talk about, you know, people having a purpose on this show. Like, for Natalie, hunting is, like, her role or her purpose, but, like, for Travis, I don't get that sense from him. Like, he does participate in it, but, like, his whole purpose from here on out is basically like taking care of javi and then when javi disappears his whole thing is going to find javi so like the hunting stuff the providing stuff that's like secondary for him it does kind of all become about his little brother so i do think that's a a redemptive quality about him i think he obviously you know genuinely loves his brother and he knows that he has some responsibility to take care of him so there's my defensive travis i guess
0: weekly defensive travis even in the episode where he's the worst, yeah. Although this scene was like, God, I can't imagine digging up your father's dead body. And Natalie is so right. strong for doing it for him. Like that—that that was a real Seriously. gesture. That was a real gesture. Yeah. Like my God, the things she does for this guy. I also just have a note that says, "Thank God they took a private plane so they could have weed in the event of a plane crash." <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. Natalie just pulls out a joint and they start smoking it. And I was like, oh. At first, <laughs> I was like, where the fuck did they get that from? And then I was like, oh, yeah, she yeah. just brought it with her. Okay. That's funny. Yeah, now people just, you know, take edibles on planes. Couldn't be me. I'd have a panic attack if I did that. But, you know, on a plane, <laughs> no. Known- do not want to be hung on a plane. No thanks.
1: No, but I have known people who do that. Oh, I'm I know like, a lot of people uh, who you're do it. So crazy. I would. That's so scary. That's terrifying That's scary to, me.
0: to me. Yeah, not not on a plane. That would give me way too much anxiety. But Nat is really understanding. Travis is talking about, you know, how he didn't like his dad. And she has a little bit of a flashback and basically says to him, like, it doesn't matter how shitty they are. It still sucks when they're gone or it's still hard when they're gone or something like that.
1: Yeah, it still fucks you up when they're gone. Is this the scene where Natalie's dad like accidentally shoots himself in the face or not that later yet in the episode? They, they keep like okay
0: you know building They just keep intercutting
1: yeah. they're like
0: really saving it for the end of the episode
1: Um yeah okay all right well i don't want to get ahead of myself then because <laughs> i do that a lot on this podcast yeah like, we're always talking about later. we're always
0: talking about like season two we're on season one episode four but it's okay This is the moment that we mentioned earlier when we were like, oh, there's like one thing that happens in a Jackie, sorry, in a Shauna and Adam scene. I just spoiled it. I (laughs) just spoiled it.
1: (laughs) And it's Jackie. Yep, that is exactly what I was talking about. I was so excited. This is a historic first sighting of Jackie haunting Shauna, I believe. This is the first time we see Jackie show up in Shauna's present day storyline. When they're by the bridge and yeah that's by far the most exciting thing that I think that happens in any of these Adam scenes in this episode and of course it's it's interesting to know I mean like now obviously we would know why but if you're watching the show for the first time like okay so Shauna has a vision of Jackie and she's it's Jackie as a teenager kind of an indicator I would think that Jackie as an adult does not exist essentially right. not necessarily it's it, it hasn't been ruled out yet but like we are this is one of the hints that we're getting that Jackie is dead, basically. It's kind of like all story. season,
0: it's like hinted at more and more and more until you get to the finale and it's confirmed. Exactly. It's like, yeah, she's dead. She's going to die. She's dead. She's she's a ghost, you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, so we do get a little bit of Jackie literally haunting Shauna, which I love because that's like, I I just, I love that whole dynamic. I think it's so... It's so interesting. The fact that Shauna is still literally haunted by Jackie 25 years later, it's like, so compelling it really makes me believe in the people who say that cannibalism is about love just kidding
0: right? <laughs> it is though
1: anyway this show successfully kind of romanticized cannibalism yeah for me. i wouldn't say that about any other piece of media but there's one thing i, I get I can it think now. of. I'm like okay. but
0: this show and the movie bones and all are the only things okay, um, okay. i guess you I haven't seen, seen, it. seen it but yeah you know what i, I mean i mean that movie is literally a romance movie where they're cannibals
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but it's similar you know themes. they're straight so i don't know if i would get into it it's
0: much. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, understandable. <laughs> Although, I would also say about that movie that the cannibalism is very on the nose about it being a metaphor for queerness the cannibalism like the fact that they're cannibals yeah
1: but... that's what i had guessed about that movie and i'd be interested to see how i actually feel about that cuz
0: you should watch it yeah we'll do a bonus that's episode just metaphor we'll do a bonus episode On bones and all any piece of media that has cannibalism in sure, it is. yeah sure that means we can watch yeah. an episode of riverdale too what i'm just kidding though no, it was it was <laughs> fake sorry, what? There, okay there's an episode of riverdale where Cheryl <laughs> pretends that they're eating her dead brother's body to like creep oh. some people out but it's not actually oh. that they're not actually eating that but she okay. tricks them into thinking they are I, it's a very wow. like sweetie yeah <laughs> i don't remember this i think it was in season four interesting okay it was like the so thanksgiving episode. watching oh that's fun <laughs> i like it I do think it is meaningful that Shauna sees Jackie in uniform and Jackie is telling her this is a bad idea and kind of like looking out for her. So I don't know, maybe that's supposed to be like she's seeing Jackie as her authoritative like soccer captain itself and like a version of Jackie that she actually like misses and like respects it's also maybe foreshadowing the next I think it's the next episode where Callie is wearing Jackie's uniform yeah definitely that
1: is the next episode yeah the Halloween episode definitely think that this whole thing is like you know Shauna has been going through these I guess fun I guess they're fun, I say, uh, but she's been doing these like things that are like her regressing to like some younger fun version of herself. And then she's like, while she's doing this, while she's doing these crazy things for her context in life, is she sees Jackie and she sees Jackie stuck in this particular state. As you've mentioned, she's in a soccer uniform. She's kind of bossy. I think she says something like somebody's going to get hurt or something like that. You know, one of those ominous lines or something. But yeah, I don't know. It just makes me think there's this whole thing going on where she's like, it's her regressing to things that remind her of when she was a teenager. And of course that causes Jackie like, to come to the forefront of her mind, I guess. That's what this scene is about. Like, I don't think that's a really deep subtextual mm-hmm. reading or anything, but yeah.
0: It's a great moment. It also just it makes is. me think about, I love whenever there is any sort of crossover of the adult cast with the teen cast because i'm like oh they never get scenes together right. so whatever like an adult actor well all of the actors it's are so adults, but, you know whenever yeah. the, the older cast <laughs> interact know. with the younger cast they get scenes together right. it's always like a very agree, iconic yeah. moment it's always so good it's
1: so memorable and so exciting i think i could name all of them off the top of yeah my head, and it's also yeah.
0: very like poignant because it's like whoa like yes. you know that it's like purposely a big deal because it never happens so you yeah, know it, it if acting, it's attracting it's a big important moment for sure
1: it doesn't happen often and it exactly it's very poignant and it's also like we're seeing these two timelines constantly on the show but like we don't get to see them interact with each other so like every once in a while getting that reminder of oh right yeah that's this jackie that we see in 1996 is still going to be haunting this shauna in 2021 so i definitely find it really poignant i love those scenes
0: always so So. good some of the best moments in the show and i'm sure the cast love it too the cast the cast are always like oh i wish i got to work with this person who yep. I never get to work with. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: Melanie said something about like how she wants Ella Purnell to haunt her more, and I'm like, yes, me too.
0: <laughs> I want that too. I love that. I always yeah. think about when um, Lottie, like adult Lottie and Laura Lee, had that scene together in season two. That must have been so much fun oh for the actor God. to come back and do that. Like, right? You know, like, I the need adult to know.
1: Lottie like what jane and like simone were thinking in that scene yeah, now that you mentioned it right? now i want to i want to know all, all the documented details on their meeting <laughs> need
0: to know everything
1: <laughs> right jane come on the
0: podcast uh, you know
1: i mean they might who knows who
0: knows hit us up all right is that everything we have to say about this great moment <laughs> Uh, I
1: think so. Okay. I think we're just we're just really jazzed about it because we're happy for a Jackie haunting Shauna scene.
0: We
2: always, always love always that. To see I mean, it. she's
1: she's always there, but sometimes we like her to literally show up to physically be, be there. there. Yes, you know
0: exactly. I took note of the song "Ready to Go" by Republica playing. The context of it is that Shauna and Adam are having sex, which I don't really think fits the scene that well, but it's a great song. So. Yeah, I don't think that's one of my favorite needle drops, because, I don't know, it's just there, but, yeah. It's one of those songs that I feel like was on every movie soundtrack from, like, the 90s and early 2000s.
1: Yeah, it's a very 90s song. It's a very, like, period-specific song, for sure. Maybe that's, you know, she's, like, once again, the motif of Shauna regressing to her teenage self. And she's Ah. having sex with Adam in the back of that car,
0: you know? Wow, okay. So we finally have the scene. We see what happens with Nat's dad. Maybe this was like 94, 95.
1: I think she was a little bit younger Mm -hmm. than we see in the show. Obviously, she hadn't dyed her hair yet. But yeah, I don't know. The takeaway from this scene is basically like every time Nat holds a gun in the show, it's going to echo the moments before her father dies as she was holding a gun at him and she was ready to kill him. Like she had the safety on, so she didn't shoot him, but she would have had the safety not been on. So she had every intent to kill her father. And I mean, obviously it's, you know, like the guy is outrageously abusive and he's beating her mom up and he's being terrible to her and so like you empathize with her but she has basically taken on you know guilt from his death as being her fault because she had the intent to kill him I think and then it happens directly afterwards and like she says earlier in the episode it doesn't matter how shitty her dad was obviously it's still fucked her up that he's dead and specifically that he died in a way that she I think believes is I don't know if she believes that it's her fault but like she feels it you know like how it's not necessarily actually her fault but like she feels that way she feels like I do think she feels like she has some responsibility in that and that blood is already on her hands this is like well before the plane crash even happened so like she already she has this this is like her thing that she's taking into the wilderness with her is this darkness and this memory of this happening
0: she is deeply traumatized before the plane crash even happens yeah like this is like really fucked up i'll say that like of all the stuff that we've watched in the show this scene was like one of the hardest scenes to watch Even after season two.
1: Yeah, it's one of the darkest scenes, I think. I feel like her whole backstory is, like, incredibly dark. Yeah. You know, because it's one of those things also, like, I mean, some of the stuff on the show that's really dark is, like, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, like, stuff like cannibalism. Like, those scenes can also hold emotional weight and stuff. But, like, every once in a while, things in the show that are really dark are, like, like a stillborn baby, where it's not, like, that's something that actually happens to real people. You know what I mean? Like, Natalie's whole backstory of having an abusive father you know and a mother who was both a victim and kind of also a little bit of a perpetrator like you know complacent in that it's more real that's something that would actually happen to people so i don't know that whole storyline in this episode is very dark and in that very like human like real way i guess
0: and it's also just the way that her dad is Acting and what he's saying and stuff like even that in and of itself is like already traumatic and really disturbing to watch and like to me like I'm really disturbed by that because it's real stuff that's even before you get to the part where she you know where he accidentally shoots himself and all that stuff so they
1: show a shot of it earlier in the episode like the whole side of his face is blown off and it's like ooh, gross yeah yeah i agree it's it's really upsetting i don't know i don't know if i have too much to say about it but it's genuinely like really upsetting and sophie's like really good this episode i feel like Sophie thatcher who plays young natalie Great. She's great. She has such an expressive face. I, I think know. That's another thing that makes Nat endearing specifically is just because Sophie, like you can see every emotion that's happening on her face as it happens in a very intense way. And I mean, I think, you know, the other characters, they have different reactions to things that aren't necessarily like the wrong reactions. But I do think that's an endearing part of Nat is that she is so emotionally expressive.
0: Natalie is such a great character. I feel especially connected to teen Natalie, like, more so than adult Natalie. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's because of Sophie Thatcher. Like, I don't know. Could be. But, yeah, she's just a great character. I mean, all the characters are great, but...
1: Agreed. I do like all the characters, but yeah.
0: Another one of my favorite moments of this episode was Jackie trying to mend fences with Van. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. such a small, it's like one line. It's such a small moment, but it's so good. She
1: asks her like if they're even or something like that, right? <laughs> and Van literally like, just
0: we, stares at her.
1: Are we even now? But like you know, Van is like uh, maybe, right? Is she like thinking
0: about it? Or she's something? kind of like incredulous know. a little bit, like she can't yeah. believe that that Jackie even said that. But yeah. maybe, I mean, maybe she does think maybe they're a little bit even. I don't know. I mean, I don't really think. I think she's she's moving towards not really being upset with Jackie anymore, but. I just thought it was so funny how Jackie was like, oh, I pushed you out of the way. Are we good now? Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: I also think it's really cute that like she was so desperate to be even with Van Van to not be mad at
0: her. (laughs) That is really sweet.
1: Yeah, I thought that was cute.
0: She's like, "I I can't control all of this, but I can control the reaction from this one person. So I'm going to try my best to get Van to not be mad at me and then I'll feel better.
1: That's right also jackie just really cares about van's feelings
0: Aww. You know? i think she cares about everyone's Again. feelings to an extent i think she does yeah and she can't but, do anything you know
1: about there's it. that there's that lesbian allyship that she has
0: There, <laughs> right so. she totally well, she totally knows what's going on <laughs> <laughs> and she's like yeah i know that you guys are gay so i'm going to show my allyship van was fla- wearing flannel in this episode so it was obvious
1: Was Van wearing the cargo shorts in this episode?
0: I don't know. I don't don't think they really showed. They're very
1: iconic. I don't think we've been tracking the cargo shorts. Yeah, I feel
0: like I would have noticed. Maybe they didn't really show her bottom half that much. I don't know. <laughs>
1: okay, let's look out for Van's cargo. So Van has this pair of like it's like cargo shorts. Right? Yeah, it's cargo shorts that she shorts. wears in the wilderness. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess maybe they well, aren't we'll hers. Watch out maybe for they're that. maybe
0: they're like Travis's. No, I don't think so. I think they're hers. But listen to yourself. That's the thing is, I feel like really? I can't ever get excited. You think those aren't no, they are. Like, they are. are. But part of me, whenever I get excited about stuff oh, they wear, I'm like, oh, but they're shorts, sharing you know? clothes. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Like I kind of like hate the. That no, that's true. That is true. But no, those are definitely Vans for sure.
1: I just know it in my heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, Travis and the flannels
1: could be. I mean, those could be. Shauna's those could be Vans. Who the fuck? Everybody is who bought the a flannel. Everybody's
0: a communal yeah. flannel. That's right. Flannels. Right. They're just all for gay. Everyone. Yeah,
1: that's how I'm gonna read that.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're athletes, so
1: yeah, that's right. They're <laughs> girls playing sports in high school. Like, come on now.
0: Exactly. Like, who yeah, doesn't own a flannel? We know what that means. Yeah,
1: that's why Jackie is such a good ally. <laughs>
0: I think she does wear flannel at points as well, Jackie. Oh, she does. Yeah.
1: I think it's it's Shauna's, but she definitely wears it. Which again, that's I mean, that's even we love it. Even worse. Yeah, that's even gayer. (laughs) Yeah, even more
0: implications there. Anyways, (laughs) anyways, um, Travis and Natalie come back with a deer, and Travis actually gives the credit to Natalie. Which thank you. He says it was all Natalie. I didn't do anything
1: which is correct yes
0: and it's also actually
1: a hundred everything they did today was all natalie including the part where they cut off coach Martinez's finger and pulled a ring off of it
0: was glad to see travis is at least grateful right um and thus the butcher was born we're never going back shauna's the butcher that's how it is No, it's crazy.
1: So Ben, like, asks who wants to bleed out the deer, and I think it's funny. Misty raises her hand, and, like, he just, I don't even think he sees it, but he definitely ignores it if he does see Misty raising her hand. (laughs) I also think it's funny, because, like, I don't know, of course Misty would be the other person who would volunteer for this immediately to, you know, bleed something out. Like, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Shauna's, like, oh, yeah, interested in it. She's, like, lightly curious. Right. She's, like, lightly curious, and this fateful moment seals her entire job in the wilderness as being the butcher and being the one who cuts up the dead bodies, yep. which is
0: crazy. You gotta be careful what you wish for, Shauna.
1: Right? Do not just volunteer for anything. Okay. Okay. That might become your whole purpose.
0: Yep. Yeah, I just have a note that the actors did such a good job of, like, ravaging that fucking deer. Like, they were eating the shit. Like, they were starving, okay? It was convincing as shit. I was like, damn, okay. It was. Good like, job. Love that deer. I wonder what they damn. were eating for real. I don't know.
1: Probably something
0: vegan. Yeah, I would imagine. It seems like,
1: when they make prop food on the show, they make it vegan. Mm-hmm. So, because I think one of the cast members is vegan. That's a good question. There's a what there's worry? a
0: nice Travis Javi Nat moment where Travis gives Javi the Ray I like Travis and Nat's relationship best when Javi is involved. Like like when you know like when they're having I scenes with Javi when it's about Javi. Yeah. They're both looking out. For I like him.
1: it. I like it when it's framed around Javi because yeah. I think that's also Travis's character in general. I think because I think it's more poignant just that like their whole. Well, really, their whole relationship being reframed around Javi at the end of season two, for sure. But yeah, I definitely think it's more poignant when it's when it's about Javi versus when they're by themselves. It's like, eh, okay, yeah, sometimes that's a little bit insufferable to watch. But <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's like Nat really does just understand that it's important to Travis. Uh, and even though she yeah. doesn't have siblings, yeah. like she seems to get that relationship.
1: And I also think like, you know, she just, I mean... She relates to Travis on the level of having a super shitty dad who dies, right? Yeah. So she relates to him on that level. But also, like, I think she likes the idea of Travis actually taking this responsibility and, like, looking after a Hobby kind of thing. Like, Nat kind of later on in season two, she has this whole relationship with Lisa, who's, like, a younger version of herself, where she, like, kind of becomes the bigger person and the adult in that relationship in some ways. It's not necessarily... Uh, a one-way street like they obviously have influence on each other but yeah nat has got this whole thing of like kind of an interesting relationship with not necessarily people she's like blood related to like a younger sibling or a child or whatever but like younger people who are like she feels like she's responsible to or whatever and i think you know you could see that in the hobby in some ways in parts of the show but yeah I, i think she does connect to travis on that level of you know when he's like being a father figure to hobby and whatnot i don't know Hopefully that made some sense.
0: It did. It did. For sure.
1: Um, you have to say that. I understand. Yeah. So. I
0: just nod and smile at everything you say, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but the, it was a really sweet moment. Like, I did, I did like, smile when they were all, like, smiling. Like, you know, like, when Javi was, oh. when Travis was smiling at Javi and then Nat and Travis were smiling at each other, it was like, oh, okay, I like it. Sweet. Really yeah. sweet. Oh, Misty trips Ben. Oh my intentionally. God, is so fucking
1: funny. It's terrible, but it's also, like, really funny to me for some reason. <laughs>
0: Ridiculous.
1: Because she's like, oh, you should be more careful. Like, really, Misty? I'm <laughs> sure she, like, straight up sticks her foot out to trip this poor guy who has one leg now. Like, damn, girl. Jesus.
0: I don't think I realized before that it was on purpose. But, like, no, it was on purpose. Oh, it was because absolutely she wants, on purpose. Yeah, she wants him to... Does he know that it's on purpose? That's the question. I think maybe
1: I, he's I don't a little suspicious. I don't think he does for sure. I don't think he's quite at the level of distrust that he gets to with Misty later on. But, yeah, I don't think he knows for sure in this scene that she did it on purpose. I think he'll eventually come to suspect that kind of stuff, though. Yeah. It's just one of those classic, like, Misty being manipulative scenes, I guess. But we've also pointed out other characters in this episode have been manipulative as well, so.
0: Yep. Another great moment. In 2021, Misty calls Shauna, and Shauna doesn't know who it is. (laughs) She just picks up the phone, and Misty's just like, oh, hey, Shauna. And Shauna's like, um, and, like, Misty has to tell her that it's her. And she's very happy to deliver the news that Travis is dead.
1: Yeah, Shauna is like, I thought I told you never to call me. (laughs) Because obviously, she doesn't want to fucking talk to Misty. She
0: had to have known that it was her, though, before she said it. Right.
1: Yeah, I know. I think that, too. Like, you don't recognize that? Come on. You do. The way that Shauna reacts to her is very funny. She's like. Do not fucking call me. What are you doing? And
0: then she just hangs up after Misty tells her. She doesn't even respond.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, Misty is like super excited because Misty's like, yeah, I got a surprise for you. And also she's kind of, I think she's trying to play on like the group dynamic. She's like, oh, well, nobody else told you that Travis is dead. Dun, dun, dun. You know? Right. I mean, she's trying to be like, oh, well, I they to tell you, you know, like undermining the relationship. I guess the other yellow jackets or whatever. Again, I don't think like Shauna would necessarily fall for that because like Misty tries to use her same tactics on the adult yellow jackets who are the exact people who are going to know exactly what Misty is like and like are going to be able to avoid that basically yeah or like recognize it you know but she does it anyways that's how she is but yeah she tells her that and she's like so excited to tell her that <laughs> shauna looks like i don't know like she looks pretty surprised she's pretty, about yeah, it like, she's
0: pretty shook kind of shell-shocked yeah about she's it. a little shook by it
1: yeah and i i don't know i think that's one of those things where when i first watched the show i was like okay you know whatever like i don't think we really understand the relationship to travis in general yet Like, at the point where he dies, it's just way too early on the show. But, you know, I think that's another one of those things where, as you see, through season two, at least, you know, as you see, like, Travis become more, like, one of them. Like, okay, I get it. Like, he was one of the survivors. Like, he was one of them. He was (laughs) one of the girls, basically. So I get it. Like, that's, like, their brother, you know? Yeah. In a weird way. Like, that's... um...
0: It's not just, like, (laughs) Natalie's ex-boyfriend.
1: They're forced-found family. Right, exactly. It's not. Like, I think Kevin is basically... basically like Natalie's ex-boyfriend but like Travis is like somebody that they went through hell with you know so that is like kind of a big deal actually yeah like
0: if any of the survivors died it would be a big deal we just didn't know that yet exactly definitely we get the first mention of book club. I thought Jeff wasn't in this episode. Turns out he's in the last 10 seconds. <laughs> he
1: sure is. And he says, how is book club? And Chana has this look on her face like, ruh-ruh.
0: I'm not sure what time I of club. night it's supposed to be, but was she at book club from like, I don't know, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. or something? Like, isn't that a bit weird? Yeah,
1: right? Like, I don't... Is that
0: suspicious? Okay,
1: it should be. I mean, obviously Jeff doesn't know anything about book clubs because they usually meet in like the afternoon not that i've been to one but i've like seen like postings for book clubs and stuff and they meet in, like afternoon maybe early evening but like before the sun goes down maybe the like, sun would be going down when discuss... she got
0: home it would be dark out but not when she left
1: right so
0: <laughs> i don't know we're here to explain Even the so logistics she's going... of book club
1: she's going to a late night book club at the club Basically,
0: she could have just been like, "I'm going to hang out with some friends. Like, we're going to dinner. She could have done like trivia night. Yeah, that but been better.
1: But like, here's the Who thing the that friends, I kind of wonder is like, right? Does she have friends? Yeah. Like, does she have adult? Because she obviously has trouble forming attachments to people in adulthood. Like, does she have any other friends? Like, that sounds so depressing to ask, but like,
0: well, like, it's true. None, kind of, none of them really have friends.
1: Yeah, that we've seen. I mean, I I don't know if we've seen enough of some of the other ones but like i could imagine that they don't form deep friendships anymore yeah because it's very hard for them to form new attachments to people in general in adulthood like with shauna her whole thing like even jeff is somebody she technically knew before so that's not a new Mm -hmm. person callie is the newest person in her life and we know she struggles to connect with her daughter so like yeah that's kind of an interesting question Kaisa, we'll see later on in the season. She talks about her life and how a lot of the things that she did in adulthood were basically, like, it's exactly what she always wanted to do, but it wasn't real. And I wonder, like, you know, even if they have, like, casual friends and stuff, do those kind of relationships feel real to them? It's very sad to think about, actually. But anyway,
0: Yeah. But that's the ending of the episode. It's honestly (laughs) I I don't know. I would say no. I would say no. Um, Anyway. It's a little bit of a lame episode ending i will admit just saying yeah but yeah. it's fine it's okay we can't all be shocking cliffhangers right i guess it's only right. a cliffhanger if you're really invested in jeff finding about shauna's affair but
1: <laughs> which he doesn't in this episode he does anyways, not he doesn't even so. figure it
0: out himself so no nope, he sure doesn't that was episode four bear down <laughs> episode title
1: Could add a more relevant or interesting
0: it's title a funny it's a key, funny I title guess.
1: It is. Once you realize why the episode is titled that. Like F-sharp.
0: But we'll be back next week to talk about episode five.
1: Blood Hive?
0: Blood Hive, yes. Is that what it's called? It is called Blood Hive. <laughs> okay.
1: That was from memory, by the way. I was not looking that up. I was...
0: Good job. Good job. Just
1: because I'm a freak and I know all the titles of all the episodes in season one.
0: I have fond memories of that episode. Well, I think I just remember a lot from that episode. I think it's pretty eventful one
1: yeah for sure i know it's the period episode i know that's <laughs> it
0: for, sure is a period sure. <laughs> episode if you couldn't tell by the title
1: yeah and therefore like the first hints that shauna is pregnant episode oh uh, uh, yeah so that's always juicy yeah we get some good i think we get some good Ty shauna stuff in there which we i'm sure really excited do. for we sure do because i love love their friendship can't wait till they do an abortion in the woods together that's my favorite that's real friendship that's right. If your a friend wouldn't help helping do an abortion in the woods. Have an abortion. Friends. It's like in the movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire when they take the <laughs> aid to get an abortion. It's just like that. Yeah, it's, exactly, know, the same. it's
0: exactly the same that's, thing as Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's
1: feminist solidarity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? Context. I will relate
1: everything back to lesbianism if I can. So whatever. That is what this show is.
0: It's just <laughs> you know, yellow jackets and lesbianism the greatest the greatest just the greatest
1: the best combo
2: that you can
0: have uh give us feedback if you like the podcast if you have a comment on anything that we've talked about or if you want to tell us that we're wrong about something even you know
1: yeah hit us up on twitter slightly nice way yeah
0: as long as you do it in a constructive way
1: there you go our dms are open also, rate us on, I know you can do it on iTunes. I think you can sort of rate on Spotify. So, you know,
0: you can rate on Spotify or whatever. You can rate on iTunes and leave a review on iTunes, doing all that stuff. It's helpful. Oh, if you want to support lesbians, right. you could do that. You know, Pride Month is yeah. over. So we have, we need compensation. Right.
1: You got to put the work in, in another way. <laughs> uh, and that's by rating our podcast on iTunes. So exactly. Do that.
0: <laughs> Until next week.
2: No return, no return.